Welcome to the first Sports Block Podcast of 2021. A new year, new hope abounds for all of us here. May 2021 be better than what we suffered through last year. Nathan stacking alongside you, along, along with my good friend and co-host Travis Crims. Travis, let me be among the last to wish you a happy new year. Uh, you probably be the last. Yeah, I think so. Is what uh, the fourth, the fifth of January. So here we are, new year. Yep. It's got to be better. Grins, it's got to be better. Well, you would think so. You would think so. It wasn't great. Being cooped at times, not having to, you know, we went on vacation to the Kansas City area and then the west of Kansas City, and uh, there are some places that we didn't get a chance to go to because they were closed that we would have liked to have gone to. So, uh, yeah, vaccines are out there. They're not being administered at a all that fast of a rate, but... Um, it's uh, new, new leadership in a couple weeks, so that'll be nice. Yes, it will. Right around your birthday, too, I believe. Just a couple days after, if I'm not <laughs> mistaken. Oh, right. Birthday present, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, very good. So, um, yeah, we'll. Uh, so, a lot to get to here today, uh, or this week here. Um, NFL playoffs, I, we know what they are. Yes, we do. Uh, before we get to the NFL playoffs, you know. Yes, we have we have college football to talk about. Uh, college basketball too, uh, really gearing up here. There are a number of big developments. Oh, and uh, the NCAA announced where they are going to play the 2021 tournament. But we start with where everyone was talking about Sunday night. I I don't know if you watched the game or not. Um, but uh, you know me. I sometimes get. I read the blog. I didn't watch the game, but I read the blog. So I, I don't know where this is going. So you know that sometimes I get on uh, a rant, and sometimes I have a very strong opinions and emotions about certain either individuals or certain circumstances. Correct. Angry stacking is my favorite stack. Well, well, then angry stacking of the first angry stacking of 2021 is what you're going to get. Because what we saw Thursday or Sunday night in Philadelphia with what Doug Peterson, head coach of the Eagles, did was just one of the dumbest things I think we could ever witness. Let's paint the picture here for you. Washington's playing Philadelphia. They just have to win the game and they win the NFC East. Up, you know, 90 miles north on the turnpike, you got the Giants and Giants fans saying, "Yeah, we we need Philadelphia to win. First time ever." We're gonna say, "Go Eagles! Let's go! Let's let's win this game." If they will, if the Eagles win, the Giants win the division. A lot of Eagles were scratched. Carson Wentz was gonna be a healthy scratch. Fine, you know, there are several guys injured. Okay, whatever. Make do with what you got. But you got Jalen Hurts. It's great and everything. And early on in the game. Uh, Chris Collinsworth, I think, had said, like, oh, you know, Doug Peterson said that he'd like to get Nate Sudfeld, uh, the backup quarterback, a few snaps at some point. Okay, fine, all well and dandy. Well, it's 17-14 here. Washington has the lead. They just turned it over. The Eagles, uh, they, they stalled a little bit. They had a goal-to-go situation. Third down, they don't get it. Fourth down, okay, let, you know, it's fourth and goal from the six. Bring out the field goal team. Oh, wait, nope, Doug Peterson doesn't do that. He likes to go for it. Jalen Hurts gets pressured and throws an incomplete pass. before I mean, He had a guy wide open, just couldn't get enough mustard on it. You're like, well, that's really stupid, Doug, but that's not out of his MO. He does that a lot. He goes for it on fourth down more than any other coach in the league. 
Okay, whatever. That's at the end of the third quarter. Fourth quarter comes along. It's still a three-point game. And who in the hell enters the game but Nate Effin Sudfeld? Who? I think a lot of people uh, ask the same thing. Why he would do that? They're getting him some reps in a game. I, I, it's it's so stupid. Yes, you want to get him in the some in the uh, reps for Sudfeld in the game. But how about the Eagles be up by like three touchdowns in the fourth quarter or trailing by 17 points? This is a winnable game. This was uh, coming on the heels of a week where J.J. Watt calls out his teammates for not giving a good enough effort. This comes on the heels of Jason Kelsey, Travis's brother. Not your brother, but Travis Kelsey, tight end for the Chiefs. This comes on the heels of him talking a couple weeks back about them, the players wanting to win the game. And, you know, like the organization might be thinking something else, but you're trying, you're going out there to win a game. And in this instance, for Doug Peterson to blatantly Throw Sudfeld out there in a winnable game with a talented quarterback like that, that they have in Hurts. To just tank the game at that point for draft position is reprehensible. Morally reprehensible. Um, geez, I sound like Mike Greenberg, and I do not mean to when I when I do that. Um, I get you know if the organiz- that the organization, the front office wants you know to to get a higher draft pick. That's fine, all well and dandy. And if you were planning to play play Sudfeld to maybe enhance your chances of doing that, that's fine. But don't do it in a very obvious and winnable situation, a winnable game here. Uh, it's just, it's terrible. And afterwards, Peterson said, nope, I that, that was my decision alone. Bullshit. Um... I and you know for those saying we weren't trying to win the game, I had you know Zach Ertz out there and Darius Slay and he named several others. Well, okay, those guys are fine; those are good players, but they aren't the biggest or they aren't the most important position, and that would be quarterback. Also, it's not like Nate Sudfeld is a rookie or a second year guy. This guy's been in the league for four years, and for Peterson to treat game two fifty six. Like it's a preseason game is disgusting. He should be fired. Maybe he's trying to get fired because he doesn't want to deal with the crap from Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts and and the owner and stuff. Maybe he was trying to do that. If he got stuff from the owner's uh, direction from them, you know what, that's fine. We've seen instances of tanking. I know Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, had mentioned the the Buccaneers doing this the year they got the number one overall pick and took Jameis Winston they have 20 to 7 against the Saints took their starters out at the beginning of at the end of the first half beginning of the second half there wound up losing the game and got the and secured the number one overall pick I that was a noon game so it didn't get nearly as much talk as this instance does in prime time so this happens this isn't the first time but this was so blatantly obvious what the eagles were doing that peterson should be ashamed and if i were the nfl i would strip the eagles of a first round draft pick like they did with the saints like they did with the patriots with all the the bounty gates and and spy gates and and whatnot or a high second round pick strip them because this is obvious tanking and it's it damages the credibility of the league, and it damages Peterson's, um, uh, I would say, 
Shit, I I lost my train of thought here. Uh, It damages Peterson's relationship and his credibility in the locker room with those players. It's gone. It just flat out gone. Terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Well... Yeah, wait, wait, let's see, when did they do this here? This was still in the third quarter. They're still the, down 17-14. They put him in, and what was it? His second pass is intercepted. So they put him in, what was it, 17-14. Yep. Uh, Jalen Hurts wasn't lightening up much before. Then they had three punts in a row. They went for it on fourth down, and they took him out. So he plays the, what, the last four series of the game? Yep. And it's a two-goal game, so he's got... Four opportunities to where a, a touchdown would have won this game, a field goal uh, would, would have tied the game uh, in those first couple of drives. Those first couple of drives goal. ended in interception and fumble, by the way. Yeah, fumble, he, he did not play well. So um, I, don't have a pro- I don't have a problem with him doing this. I would have a problem with him saying we were trying to win because you put in Jalen Hurts if you try to win – that's why they put in Jalen Hurts because Carson Wentz is bad and uh, the third stringer also unsurprisingly not very good I, I wish more teams would put in backups in week 17 I wish the Vikings would have played uh, whatever quarterback well, I mean, is Jake Browning still on the practice squad take a guy put Sean Mannion in or whoever Sean Mannion I don't want him sorry no whoever the backup is some some guy, a Ricky Stancy, whoever your guys are, you know. Yep. Uh, start those guys in Week 17 for the Vikings in a meaningless game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with, with this here with Philadelphia, like Jalen Hurts, though, is your guy. Jalen Hurts is the guy that you should play in this situation. Of course, and Wentz was still out there, I would say give Jalen Hurts a start. Jalen Hurts has started here for the last month, and he's done. Uh, he's had some good games, had some bad games, but uh, yeah, there's really no reason to pull him here. Uh, in the what third quarter? Mm-hmm. Um, no, he, he should have played the rest of the game. So yeah, it, it was a bad move, and in Washington, still almost lost this game. Yep. So I'm okay that they did it, but I'm not okay with him saying we were trying to win because you obviously don't put in not your backup, but your third string quarterback. You do not put him in if uh, if you were trying to win the ball game. I would yep. have a young quarterback who, uh, by all means, should have should have ended this game. It's a it's a it's a huge middle finger to the Giants. Like hey, we we despise you so much that we're going to put in our third string quarterback here to play out a game, a very important game uh, for for Washington and the Giants' uh, sake, and also you know it, again it's a close game. Uh, if this were if if this were Carson Wentz, if if he were playing and Jalen Hurts hadn't played at all this season. I would say, okay, you know what? You're putting in Jalen Hurts. You're putting in the you know the second rounder because you want to see what he can do. Okay, I I am far more accepting of that because you want to see what the rookie can do, what you have here going forward in a downward dismal year. We know what you got in Nate Sudfeld. He isn't that good, and if he were good, he would have been active for all but the first game. Of the season, if he were that good, he would be the second-string quarterback behind Carson Wentz, not Jalen Hurts. So this is so blatant, and Doug Peterson thinks he's the know-it-all guy. Oh, like look at my analytics! I just go for it on fourth down. You know what, Doug? You suck. 
Howie Roseman, you haven't put together a very good team uh, outside of that the Super Bowl year. Uh, you're, you can't draft a wide receiver. Your offensive line is old. So there are issues abounding in Philadelphia. It's just it's the it's the 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 lens. It's the view, the view of this is so terrible for the league. Again, it's one thing if you're going to do this maybe in a regional game where not everyone's seen it, but to do it in prime time where everyone's seen it, you have a, a, some team season on the line, and to do it because you want to see, you don't, you know what you got in Sudfeld. He isn't that good. It's just, it's so terrible. It's so terrible. Uh, and I hope the league does something, though, as in most instances, they're just going to turn the other way. Yeah, they're not going to do anything. And like the Giants have no room to complain here because none of these yep. teams in this division have any room to say, oh, you should have done it. No. This, yep. this was the worst division in the history of the modern NFL. This yep. was the, the worst, the dirt worst. And then yep. watching the end of that Giants Cowboys game, uh, that. The officiating in the Vikings game was was horrendous. Yep. Um, this this fumble at the end of this Giants game, I it, it's inexplicable. Uh, the yep. Giants fumble. I mean, the, the Giants have the game won. They need a first down to win it. They get the first down. The game is done. Yep. And this running back uh, fumbles the ball yep. out of nowhere. There's no one around him. And uh, the Cowboys come up with it. Cowboys are down by four. A couple timeouts. About fifty seconds to go. They got a chance. And for some reason, they, they look at it, and they, they deem that the Giants player, his ass was on the ball. He sat ass first on the ball, and that was apparently possession, which is apparently new to me. Yep. Um, so that was a, a horrendous, horrendous call. Absolutely. That, uh, that, maybe, that ultimately it didn't matter because Washington uh, won their game, yep. but uh, Dallas should have had the ball at the end of that, yeah, that game. That was one of the more ridiculous all I've ever seen. Absolutely. And you are absolutely right on the fact that the Giants have no right to complain to really anybody in the NFC East because they were so terrible this year. It's just, again, the optics of it uh, where you want to... Players want to win. They want to be put in the best position to win a game. And so for the other uh, 10 guys on offense, the other, the other 52 guys on that field, for you to put in Sudfeld... In if you're really saying, hey, like we're trying to win the game, and you take out Jalen Hurts, who is your best chance to win the game, and putting in Sudfeld, and then telling us afterward, yeah, well, we were trying to win the game. Shut up! I just it's it's just so. Go to hell, Doug Peterson. Go to hell. Yeah, you can't say you were trying to win because that's a lie. That's a that's a that's a blatant lie. You weren't trying to win. Uh, you weren't putting your best players out there because Jalen Hurts. He's your best quarterback, and he was not out there. Uh, what else was? Uh, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. So I think the criticism is the the criticism to the understand like it's it's ninety five five in favor of everyone piling on Doug Peterson with five percent saying, "Oh, we're fine with this move. This is understandable. Look what the Eagles did and stuff." Uh, it's just it's so bad. I hope the NFL does something to punish the Eagles. Um, unlikely they won't. Do you know, by the way, I saw a, a mock draft uh, by Pro Football oh. Focus. Do you know who the they have the Eagles selecting at number six? Probably uh, the receiver from Alabama, I would guess. No. Trey Lance. Quarterback? Trey Lance. Trey Lance. 
Six to the Eagles. Can you imagine them just bouncing one Bison quarterback for another? Pro Football Focus, I believe. I think it, it was there. Yeah, I'm, po- I'm positive. Eagles need a quarterback? Well, I don't know. I feel, I feel like they just picked one last draft, and he's been he's been good enough to where like, all right, let's give Jalen Hurts the uh, the reins. And I guess I don't know. Maybe it's not the worst idea because if he's no good, uh, and Trey Lance, whoever picks him, by no means he should not play for at least a year or two. And maybe if you're Philadelphia, like, all right, we'll see what we got in Jalen Hurts for the next couple of years. And if he's not good enough, uh, we got another guy waiting. So. It's uh, it's a strange pick, but you know, so interesting. We'll see if that actually happens, but that that is uh, what they had in a, a mock draft that I saw just of the why, first why did, I still don't know why the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, played Mike Lennon so much over Gardner Minshew at the end of the season when he was healthy again. Like, why why are we playing Mike Lennon? Mike Lennon is not in your plans. Like Gardner Minshew had a good season last year, and he was hurt this year for a portion of it, and he's probably some guy that you're looking to probably trade or something. I don't know, a fourth, fifth round pick, whatever the hell Gardner Minshew is worth. Mm-hmm. Um, he's played better than uh, a lot of first round picks in that same draft. Yep. So um, he hadn't played as why. well this year as he did last year. No. Um, they tried. Uh, they tried Jake Luton for a for a bit. And he wasn't that good. And actually, I mean, Mike Lennon played fairly okay. I think it's tough because... He didn't win any game. There's no no reason Mike Lennon should be in the league. There's no reason for him to... Like, for for what what reason is he playing over a second-year quarterback? And they're going to pick your guy with the first pick. Yep. He's going to be the guy right out of the chutes. So is Gardner Minshew a backup and... At the very least, you could have went out there and played, and he played fine, and maybe teams are like, oh, I like what I see from him. I would like him to be a backup, or I need a starter this year. I would want this guy as my starter. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you would almost like to th- show folks what Gardner Minshew can do so you can use him as trade bait. I mean, they already know what they're going to do. They're going to draft Trevor Lawrence. Now, granted, uh Fields put on a show at uh, at the Sugar Bowl against Clemson, and I think it gives some uh, fodder, some food for thought there. A moment's pause, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah. What's, what's interesting about Jacksonville, and we'll get to the playoffs here in a moment, but now that we're we're on the Jaguars, there is talk that, uh, that it's Urban Meyer, that that's their focus as to who they want to coach the team because they fired Doug Marone. We knew it was going to happen. They lost 15 games to end the season. Only the Carolina Panthers have ever done that, and their win, by the way, was against the Vikings week one. Uh, was that? Back in the Chris Winkie era. Was that 2001, 2002, something like that? Anyhow. I remember that one. That was bad. It, it was. It was very bad. Um, so the Jaguars are reportedly infatuated with Urban Meyer. I... And Urban Meyer might be demanding $12 million or north of that a year. Shad Khan will do that. He will pony up the money for it. But my my one, the one thing I'm thinking of is if Urban Meyer's the guy and he was at Ohio State, wouldn't he maybe want to try for Fields over Lawrence? Um, just because of that connection, I think he does know Fields from the little bit of time he was there prior to him leaving and, um, and Ryan Day taking over as head coach. So, 
Can you imagine the uproar in Jacksonville if Fields is selected over Lawrence? Yeah. I, I think that if that Urban Meyer might do better in L.A. with the Chargers. The Chargers fired Anthony Lynn. It's a move that I understand, though I think the way the Chargers responded after that 45 nothing drumming against the Patriots back in Week 13 and winning their last four games, I think that Lynn probably deserved another... Um, another year, especially given the circumstances of having to thrust Justin Herbert into the starting lineup after the Tyrod Taylor uh, medical incident. Um, This was not supposed to be how it was going to go for the Chargers, but bad clock management, poor play calling and stuff, it just led to Lynn's demise. So I think Urban Meyer would do better with a Justin Herbert in L.A. than than he would drafting Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. Am I crazy to think that? No, because Justin Herbert, he had one of the great rookie years ever. And I didn't think he'd be any good, and he was excellent. And he'll probably win rookie of the year next to Justin Jefferson. And yep. uh, you got the Chargers uh, with the quarterback. You've got the Jaguars with the quarterback. And you have the Jets, probably with Fields as a quarterback, all three open spots with uh, attractive quarterbacks. So... Uh, I don't know if, if folks want to go there. Probably don't want to go to the Jets, but uh, see what Jacksonville and the Chargers have to offer. Jacksonville uh, does have over a hundred million dollars in cap space, so they can yeah they can rearrange their team. In the NFL, you don't have to rebuild. Uh, teams get teams go from very bad to very good very quickly over mm-hmm. the course of a year. So yep. uh, rebuilding is not a thing in the NFL. You can you can quickly go from a four and twelve team to a twelve and four team. Just like that. That does not take. Uh, that, that's not surprising when that happens. So, yeah, the Chargers. Uh, that, that division's a little tough at the top, but other than that, looks like you've got a a stud quarterback. And Jacksonville, yeah, Jacksonville just just changed that entire team. Yep, but they have young pieces in place. I mean, you have the James Robinson, you have Lavisca Chenault, uh, decent wide receiving core. There are, there are pieces in place there at Jacksonville, and you can bring in those free agents, and you, you pair them up with Trevor Lawrence. I think that's that's the way you got to go. But if I'm just wondering if Urban Meyer is going to be set on drafting Lawrence or if he would be infatuated with Fields just because of the relationship. That would be yeah, my question. I think, they would, I think they would take Trevor Lawrence, number one, and uh, I really hope Urban Meyer's health, health issues are, uh, are well. Yeah. I, mean, I really do. And yeah. when I say I really do, I mean I really don't. I, really <laughs> I know you don't. Uh, and that, I can't believe you would be willing to toss $12 million at a guy who has left the two of the last two places he's been, Florida and Ohio State, for health reasons. Like, it, I, I would be very nervous if I were an NFL team throwing that kind of money around at Urban Meyer, I wouldn't do it. I would. I just wouldn't do it. Despite my the the temptation, I would refrain. People like Eric Bieniemy and thought he should have got a job last year. So we'll see if any of these Chargers or uh, Jaguars pick him. So there are six openings right now: uh, the Atlanta Falcons, Detroit Lions, Jacksonville Jaguars, New York Jets, Houston Texans, and the LA Chargers. Um, the so we'll see where that goes. The Texans don't have a first or second round pick this next year, so that sucks. Uh, the Lions are the Lions, the Jets are the Jets. 
I think the Jaguars, Chargers, uh, the Chargers is the most attractive. Jaguars, and then I would say Falcons would be um, would rank right up there in terms of the attractive ones. I mean, we'll, we'll see where it all goes. We'll follow it. We'll 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 look into it more um, next week. But the the playoffs are set. And we get uh, it's super wild card weekend. By the way, the Vikings. Oh yeah, I've heard of this. I've heard of this. Yeah. Super, super with one extra great game every day. Yes. Well, we we at least we get six games here. Going to be uh, noon, three forty, and eight fifteen on both days. Um, so it starts out. Let, well, let's yeah. We'll, we'll just we'll start right there. Uh, Indianapolis Colts seven seed at the two seed, the Buffalo Bills. Um, what Buffalo did this year was incredible. Uh, the the trade for Stephon Diggs, I think it's safe to say that it was a win on both sides, both for the Vikings and the Bills, because all Stephon Diggs did was lead the league in receptions and yards. Fan- fantastic job for from him. Uh, change of scenery apparently is all he needed, and the Bills' offense is on fire. It's in fuego right now. I don't. The Colts have a good defense. And Jonathan Taylor runs the ball pretty well, a good ground game, but I don't see the the Colts being able to keep up with this prolific Bills offense. Show me something, Buffalo. Yep. Go go to the go to the uh, AFC title game. That yeah. would show me something. Yep. Beat the Colts. Beat beat probably Pittsburgh, and then the second round again. So. Buffalo, this, this is your chance. You, you've never been, we, we, we've never been alive, Zach. We, we've never been uh, conscious. So we've never been uh, following football, and the Buffalo Bills have been this good. Yep, very so, true. Very uh, true. This is the best they've ever been, 13-3. Um, there's no reason why they should not be playing the Chiefs uh, for the Super Bowl. Uh, so, yeah, Buffalo, Buffalo over the Colts. I wholeheartedly agree. 6,700 fans will be allowed at this game. Are you okay with that? Because I've seen some people, you know, questioning uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo for allowing this when the pandemic's going on. Um, I think it's kind of ridiculous to think that you couldn't have 6,700 fans spread out throughout the stadium. Um, it, it, it's, really, fine. It, it's fine. Yeah, okay. So we're both fine with it. Uh, people saying, no, this is the biggest moment for Buffalo. They've been waiting for this. And they're probably, they're set up for a long run in the AFC East. Um, it'll be them competing with the Dolphins for years to come by the looks of it. Um, so I think we both like the Bills here. Uh, the, the Saturday afternoon game in the NFC is the Rams against the Seahawks. Rams get in because they have some guy named John Wolford who beat a guy that we're familiar with, Chris Strebler, former USD Coyote. Uh, that's because Strebler came in for an injured Kyler Murray and he threw a very, very bad interception, uh, played like shit, and the, the Cardinals as a team played like shit. Very disappointing uh, year after the, the uh, Hale Murray against Buffalo. So Seattle against the Rams, I gotta think Seattle's going to win a third. It's always tough to beat a team three times in one year, but Seattle's defense is playing really well as of late. I think they beat the Rams with or without uh, Jared Goff starting at quarterback. Seattle's not played well here. They 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 won their last four in a row. They've won six of seven, but. 
lost the Giants, which is icky. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2015, they beat the, they beat the Washington a few weeks ago. That was an ugly looking game uh, yesterday versus San Francisco. So Seattle uh, not peaking at the moment, I would not say. And they just played the Rams a couple weeks ago. So yeah, Jared Goff probably coming back. Um, you would assume Seattle they're tough at home. You would pick them, but um, this uh, this this is a game that does not interest me. No. Um. Yeah. It. Yeah. It doesn't really interest me all that much. Though the the middle game on Sunday, Rams Bears, interests me even less. Um. That Saturday night, this game, if it were Giants and Bucks, just because we'd seen it once before, it would interest me a lot. Uh. But this game is between the Washington Football Team and Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll see if Mike Evans plays. He hurt his knee. Uh, but on Sunday had to lead the game, but no structural damage. So that's see, uh, that's good news for the Bucks. I get that Chase Young and that Washington front uh, four is very, very good. Can maybe get some pressure on Brady. But if you've seen Washington the last few weeks, their offense is not very good. Uh, and I just think the Giants would give the Bucks a better game. I really do. Uh, so this game is going to be crap. Uh, I think the Bucks win easily. I think close. Um, at Washington, they, they play close games. You look at their schedule, like every game's close. Yep. Um, so, I want to pick Washington. Tom Brady go to Tampa, play pretty well. Does he lose at Washington? Mike Evans is outright. Um, Tampa Bay looked good the last couple of weeks against a couple of shit teams. Everybody would pick Tampa. Um, why not? Let's let's pick Washington right. for the upset. Uh, the Washington Twitter feed, right after the game got done, put it out there. Said we're just putting this out there, and I think you're tempting fate by doing this. They said Tom Brady is 0 3 against the NFC East in the playoffs. That's very accurate. He's lost all three Super Bowls to the NFC East teams: twice to the Giants, once to the Eagles. The last time Washington. Uh, won a playoff game was against Tampa Bay. I think Jason Campbell started that game, and that was back, you know, what, 2007? So many moons ago. So Washington is tempting fate by doing that. Uh, We'll see if that uh, pans out or not. Then Sunday, I think the best game of the day happens right away, uh, 12.05 on ESPN, uh, with the... Uh, five, the fifth seed in the AFC, the Ravens against the four seed Tennessee Titans. Tennessee upset Baltimore last year, surprised everyone. I think uh, Travis Hen- uh, or Derrick Henry, excuse me, not Travis Henry. He, he was former Bills running back, uh, but Derrick Henry rushing title over two thousand yards again. He's phenomenal. Uh, Ryan Tannehill adding rushing to his repertoire is it makes him a dual threat. And a significant dual threat, I would say. But what the Lamar, what the Ravens' offense has been doing here as of late, Lamar Jackson, what he's been doing is just fantastic. And this Titans' defense is significantly worse this year than they were last year. So as much as I would like to see the Titans uh, tighten up and beat the Ravens, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Baltimore will win this game in exact revenge on the Titans. You ready, Sackin? You ready for this? I am ready, yes. All ears. I think the Tennessee Titans go to the Super Bowl. Woohoo! 
Oh, Crins, I love it. I love it. They're, so you have them beating, they're going to Buffalo and beating the Bills in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, them, uh, them beating them Baltimore, they did it already. Baltimore's played a bunch of shit teams this past month. They have. Dallas, yes, they have. That Cleveland game was probably the game of the year, very entertaining. Uh, they played Jacksonville, they played the Giants, they played the Bengals. Uh, these teams all suck. Um, so... Yeah, well, whoever wins this game, I think, can make a bit of a run. Um, but Derrick Henry, he, he did something last postseason. Uh, he did something yesterday. Uh, he ran for 2,000 yards this season. He mm-hmm. he did. He's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So if there's anybody, any non-quarterback that can carry their team on a run, that, that would be the guy. And uh, Ryan Tannehill, uh, good enough. He's been good for a couple years now. Yes. So they get past Baltimore. I think they'd probably end up playing uh, – Kansas City, and uh, they had a pretty good start against Kansas City uh, there last year mm-hmm. in, the, in the title game. And what was it, Kansas City? They, they lost. You can't even really count count the game uh, yesterday. Yep. But what well, was Kansas City won? 26 of 27, some ridiculous <laughs> number. So maybe that loss wipes that clean. Yep. But everyone's going to pick Kansas City or Buffalo to get out of the AFC. But is Kansas City really going to win, like, 30 of 31 games? Like, are they going to go, whatever that would be, 29 of 30, something that mm-hmm. we've never seen? Are they going to do that? Maybe. And they should not have won the Super Bowl last year. They should have not even gotten to the Super Bowl. They were very, they did something nobody had ever done. Yep. Come from behind by at least, what, 10, 14 points in every playoff game. So yep. they can't succeed last year. They won, so... Kansas City and Buffalo can obviously win. They're, they're excellent teams, and, and Tennessee's probably not uh, getting there, but uh, that's what I'm going to pick. And um, is Baltimore going to the Super Bowl? Are we going to see Wyoming and Buffalo in the Super Bowl? Are we going to see Kansas City just not continue to lose at all? So something's got to give here. Yep. So I'm going to pick the Titans to beat Baltimore, to beat Kansas City, I love the pick, Krenz. I really do, I, and I love the reasoning behind it. Um, and okay, so are you concerned at all about the Titans' defense? Because they, I mean, they let Deshaun Watson throw all over him, and Deshaun Watson's great. Led the well, league in passing, but I mean, he didn't have a lot of weapons. I just the Titans' defense this year is not nearly as good. I mean, it, and yes, they played Aaron Rodgers no. in the snow. Let's not look, I guess, too much into that. But the Titans' defense this year is not nearly as good as they were last year. No, that is, that is concerning, but all you got to do is give Derrick Henry the ball about 35 times and hope that you just pound it out, run the clock, time of possession, don't turn it over, and uh, hope that he can have another 200, 250-yard game. I just love it. Yeah, and ball control. That's going to be the key. And That's what you got to do. If your defense sucks, then, then you got to get them off the field. Yep. Uh, very, I think, fair to say, I think limited possessions – in that Ravens-Titans game. So they're going to have to capitalize on them all. I'm going to tell you right now, I love the AFC playoffs. It's just, you have so, the storylines, the the teams, I could cheer for any of those seven teams except for Pittsburgh. I really don't like Pittsburgh. But you could, you could see all, you could, it's not inconceivable to say that any of those seven teams could make it to the Super Bowl. The NFC, I don't care about at all. 
I mean, the Packers likely going to make it to the Super Bowl just because it's difficult to play in Lambeau in the cold and the snow in the playoff time. You don't have that energy there with the fans, but the Packers haven't needed that this year. So I think it's going to be very difficult to oust Green Bay there, and I just don't see the NFC playoffs being all that exciting. The AFC, though, the Colts, great defense. Uh, a very good running game. Cleveland, good running game. It's just the fact that the Browns are in the playoffs for the first time since Kelly Holcomb led them in 2002 there against that game uh, against the Steelers. Ironically enough, they had that big lead and, and blew it there. But that's something to look at. You have the, the five seed, the Ravens, playing really well. The Titans, you just picked them to make the Super Bowl. They can do it because they have Derrick Henry. The three seed, uh, the Steelers, started out really good, have a great defense, a lot of weapons at the wide receiver front. We'll see if they could do it. Of course, you have the Bills and Josh Allen. I think Buffalo's the most dangerous team in the NFL right now. If I had to pick a team that I think is the most dangerous, it's Buffalo. And then, of course, you have Kansas City with the Hall of Famer Patrick Mahomes. What concerns me with the Chiefs is that they rested Mahomes, they rested Tyreek Hill, they rested a lot of starters against the Chargers. And I get, you know, Tyreek Hill dealing with a hamstring injury. You don't want that going into the playoffs and stuff. And you don't want to get your half-a-billion-dollar quarterback injured. But there is something to be said about getting in the game reps. And they NFL Network posted something or had a story about rest versus rust. And they showed four guys, Lamar Jackson, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, and Aaron Rodgers, all guys who were, the, I believe, the one seed, and rested, the teams rested their starter, the starters uh, week 17. And three of the four lost in the divisional round of the playoffs. The only guy who didn't was Drew Brees. And that happened a few years ago when they played the Eagles and barely beat them 20-14. to 14. So it's not like Brees was outstanding in that game. So I think there is something to be said about playing well or just playing and not being off for a couple weeks. And the Chiefs didn't even play that well against the Falcons uh, in Week 16. So I am concerned about the Chiefs uh, making it. I think that's why you know a team like Buffalo, like Tennessee, like Baltimore, I think can do a lot of damage. That, maybe that's one of the reasons why I don't think Pittsburgh's going to do all that much because you rest Big Ben um, and several other starters. We'll see if they can beat Cleveland. Cleveland's had a lot to deal with here over... Uh, recent weeks with um, with the COVID situation and stuff. But the AFC is just loaded with storylines, and they are by far the, the side of the playoff bracket that I am most interested in watching. They didn't need a seventh playoff team in the NFC. The Cardinals, the Bears, they weren't play. They're not playoff teams. Mm-hmm. Um, like Miami, it sucks that Miami didn't get in. They, they had their best season in a while. So, unfortunate they didn't get in. And, and the Raiders were okay. So. Yep. Um, the late afternoon game Sunday, Bears against the Saints. Saints are the two seed. Uh, they're great. I, this, this, this is the worst matchup, I think. Outside of Bills-Colts, this is the worst matchup of the weekend, I think. I think the Saints' uh, defense hasn't been playing great, but I think they beat the Bears pretty handedly. Um, is are you in agreement there? We're, we're not going with Trubisky to win. We're not going with Mitch, are we? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, this is ridiculous that they're in the playoffs. Yep. Like the, the Vikings, all they had to do was beat the Bears. Yes, they did. Justin Jefferson, beat so Seattle, close. Mm-hmm. Tennessee. 
Mm-hmm. Did any of these games that, that you uh, that you lost? So yep, that's fun. A lot of fun. And then uh, a rematch of Week 17: Cleveland at Pittsburgh. Uh, the Sunday night football game on NBC, seven fifteen. Do we see any chance? I think the Browns have a good chance to beat Pittsburgh. I just don't think it's going to happen. I would hope it does, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not holding my breath. Well, we barely won yesterday, so you would have hoped that they would have played a little bit better. Yep. But the way Pittsburgh has played the last month. Pittsburgh probably wins, but Cleveland Cleveland's right there. I mean, this Pittsburgh is probably the worst team in the playoffs right now, outside of maybe Washington. Is there mm-hmm. any team worse than Pittsburgh right now? I their offense is terrible. I I'm going to pick Cleveland to win this game. Roethlisberger <laughs> is not good. I don't know if he's hurt or what. Yep. He's old. <laughs> he, he's old. He's old and he wants to come. I remember a couple of years ago when he's like, oh, I want to retire. And then that was three years ago. And now he wants to play and he's been beat up. And he's not been good. No, he hasn't. For a while. Like, they were 11 and 0. And there's like no buzz around this. Usually if you're 11 and 0, there's some sort of a, oh, this team's really good. There was like none of that. Yeah. There's like. Oh, they're 11 and 0? Oh, that's fine. How in the hell are they 11 and 0? Green Bay and the Saints. Nobody yeah. gave a shit about Pittsburgh, so. Oh, I'll pick Cleveland. Give me, right. give me the Browns to win a playoff game for the first time in what? 26, 27 years? Yep. Yep. 1994, uh, I believe. Give me the Browns. Give me the Browns. Love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, so, Super Bowl matchup. Uh, you have Tennessee coming out of the AFC. I. You know what? I want Kansas City. But I'm picking Buffalo to make it out of the AFC. I just wow, think there's Buffalo. I, I and I've I've been flip flopping back and forth between Kansas City and Buffalo, and I and I I love Patrick Mahomes and and my father-in-law, of course, a huge Chiefs fan. So I want the Chiefs to win for him again, and just because I really love Patrick Mahomes. But I I said it like a week ago. Buffalo is the most dangerous team in the league, and I don't see. Josh Allen slipping up at all. So I'm taking Buffalo out of the AFC. And reluctantly, I have to pick Green Bay because I just don't know who's going to go into Green Bay and beat them. I thought it would be Seattle. I think Seattle can do it. I would love to see Seattle against Buffalo. Again, we saw it once in Buffalo. It didn't work out very well. Uh, but I think the Seahawks defense is better. It, they, they seem to turn a corner after that game. They couldn't have gotten any worse. So I think Seattle Buffalo would be a great Super Bowl, but I I'm gonna reluctantly say Green Bay Buffalo. Yeah, Green Bay Tennessee. What what would be the best Super Bowl matchup? It's Green Bay Kansas City, is it not? Yes, yes, it would, that would be. be the best. The two the two quarterbacks, Rodgers, probably MVP. Mahomes will be second. Wyoming will be third, and Derrick Henry should probably be fourth. So I think Devontae Adams best. should get consideration as well. Who? Devontae Adams. Oh, damn. Yeah. And he missed a game and a half. It would have been nice to see what he could have done with another game. Mm-hmm. Uh, another couple touchdowns. So, Green Bay, New Orleans, I don't really see anybody besides those two. And then, like you said, on the AFC, I don't think anybody, I, I wouldn't be surprised if either Baltimore or Tennessee makes a run mm-hmm. uh, like that. So, 
New England's gone. That's nice. Nobody, nobody is uh, shedding any tears that New England is not in these playoffs for the first time in, in a long time. So that's exciting. And uh, yeah, the AFC had a boatload of really good teams, some solid teams that didn't even get to the playoffs. I mean, think about it, if the Colts wouldn't have made it. Colts are a pretty good yep. team, yep. and they would not have made it last year. Right. Based on, based on that. So, yeah, AFC should be good. Buffalo, they're an exciting team, so it's always good to, to get a new team in there. What would be the worst Super Bowl matchup? Would it, it would have to be like it would have to be Chicago and. Like, do you say that Andy? could legitimately happen? Like, I don't see Chicago running the, you know. Okay, what Green Bay next week and beating the Pack. I mean, yeah. Okay, so what's the what would be the worst realistic Super Bowl matchup? Oh, the dogs are barking. You in the dog pound? You in Cleveland? Uh, no, we got the neighbors dogs. Neighbors dogs are nuts. Um, probably Tennessee would be be among them. Tennessee, that's not real sexy. Uh, Tennessee and Seattle, maybe. Okay. Yeah, that's. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. Any... Tom Brady, if Tampa makes it, Tom Brady, and if he would make it, and if he were somehow to win, then obviously he should retire. And yeah. Be yep. Um, that... I think he'll probably be back next year. And that may be the best storyline. That may be the best storyline, just Tom Brady and the Bucks. You know, Tom trying to win one Super Bowl, not with New England. Tampa Bay could be playing in their home stadium for the Super Bowl. That's a, one of the larger storylines headed yeah. into this postseason. Like, Tampa, Tennessee would be interesting because Tennessee beat them last year. Mm-hmm. And Kansas City, Tampa would be interesting because the Mahomes and and New England. So, yep. yeah, I don't see Tampa doing much. I'd be surprised if it was anybody other than the Saints and the Packers. Yeah. I uh, I do have, my preseason prediction was Saints against Chiefs, so that is still a very viable matchup. Uh, and I just gave it to you. I don't have either of those teams um, in the Super Bowl matchup. But right now, I just, yeah, I think it's Packers, and I'm going to say the Bills. Uh Make it. Um, I, I had Seattle, Pittsburgh, and they, they had good years, but that's not not among the favorites. But you still have a chance too. I mean, isn't that remarkable that both of our matchups could still ha- potentially happen? Yeah, like San Francisco, the usual loser of the Super Bowl won't even make it the next year, sort of deal. The, their their reason though was more because they were just decimated by injuries. Yeah, and even if they weren't, they're like, yeah, they might have made it. They probably would have made it over the Bears, but still. They probably weren't doing much. No. No. So, um, interesting to note there, so that's that. Uh, we do just need to mention the Vikings beat the Lions. They pick, uh, They finished the season 7-9. and nine. They pick 14th in the drafts. They wouldn't have picked. I think the, the highest they would have finished would have been 11 if they had lost, uh, so it's a drop of three spots, really outside the top ten, doesn't matter. J- Justin Jefferson, nine receptions, 133 yards, gets a uh, 1,400 yards, sets a rookie uh, record for most receiving yards by a rookie in the Super Bowl era. So 
Vikings have a solid one. Him, Kirk Cousins played well, albeit against a terrible Detroit team. I I have high expectations for this Vikings team here going forward. They need to get a new kicker. They need to do some things in the secondary. They need Michael Pierce back. I think they need to bring back Everson Griffin. Um, they need to probably draft a defensive end or offensive line right away with the top pick. But um, shore up the offensive line a little bit on the left side. Uh, the right side's fine. Ezra Cleveland, Brian O'Neill, you got Garrett Bradbury. That's fine. The left side, let Reef go. Uh, re-sign Wilson. I'd be okay if they let Harris go. He wasn't good this year. Um, but Vikings have some stuff. And I hope Justin Jefferson wins Rookie of the Year. I'm pretty sure it'll go to Herbert because Herbert set records as well. Either way, Justin is winning Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yes, that would be accurate. And Justin would be ended up winning it, yes. So, you know... They were bad at the beginning, good in the middle. They gave everybody hope, like usual, and then uh, they they just hit the bed again at the yep. end. At the end, I mean, you beat the Bears, you're in the playoffs against the Saints. Yep. And you competed against the Saints a little bit there a week ago. So and you beat them last year. So yeah, defense was very bad. Seemed like when Eric Kendricks, Eric Kendricks seemed like when he got hurt, that was it. Yeah. That was it. For whatever yep. reason, that was it. Well, he's the, he's the quarterback of the defense. He's the heart and soul in that defense. It, it, Harry yeah. the Hitman is very good, but it's Kendricks. Kendricks is the, st- is the straw that stirs that drink. Yeah. He was excellent. So, again, they, they got to get all these guys back. Yep. All the guys, you know, Daniel Hunter, Anthony Barr. Yep. All the guys. If they're back, then. Watch out. They like their chances, especially with the, with the seventh playoff team out there. Yep. Then. Then, yeah, I mean, as bad as, as they were, and they were in the mix this season, as long as they were, that's, that's pretty amazing. So, no, Dalvin Cook's great. Jefferson and Thielen are great. Yep. Kirk Cousins pretty good. I think we I, mean, I just say, some, some of these calls on them, I mean, the, the Detroit got blown something fierce in this game. Yep. Yep. With the, uh... The roughing the pass penalty. Yeah, the roughing pass was bad. The touchdown call was, was a 50-50. It wasn't great. But that roughing the passer call, I... The rest of that, I can't say it seems like that. Because, like, what, what was he supposed to do? This is what a... What was he, a cornerback looked like a defensive back, and he it was a penalty for tackling. Like, he didn't... Well, it was, it was bad, and that may have cost him the game. That was... That was as bad of a call as you'll ever see. Yes. Right there. Absolutely and it was. I don't I don't know what they were looking at. It's it was bad. And and, and something like that it just makes it a joke. It just it just makes it like when something like that happens, I stop caring about the outcome of the game. I'm like, Well, this is obviously stupid. Yep. And probably like how you feel with the Eagles. Yeah. I feel like that with this. It's like yeah. well, like, like what the hell do I care now whether the Lions win or the Vikings win. It is total, total bullshit the way yeah. that ended. Yeah, so. absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And then um. with the kicker, I mean, I don't know why they kept him. Um, probably got a bad back, or that's what they said during the game, I believe. You got to get a new kicker. I mean, that's unacceptable. Like that one kick, Jesus Christ, that was 30 yards left. Mm-hmm. That, like my mom, we were watching the game. And my mom's like, where'd the ball go? <laughs> All right, let's, let's, because usually, you know, when you're, 
kicking a field goal, you're looking at a certain area. It's going to be between the between the yellows usually. And this one was so fucking far left at the beginning. She said, "Where, where to go?" I'm like, well, it went that way, thirty yards left. So, so that was bad. And that was, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of usually Viking games are pretty boring. Uh, but, but they put up the points, or, yeah. or at least uh, they get down early and they come back. At least this was a back and forth, a lot of points. It's not the usual get behind early, come back late, and end up losing, like they did against the Bears and yep. the Titans and, and whoever else. So, I, yeah, it was, uh, I'll remember the season, I guess. If nothing so. else for then for Justin Jefferson. I mean, he is the, oh, yeah, the bona fide star. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, I was wrong. I'm probably wrong right now in Wyoming. And you get, you know, certain guys right or wrong. But, like, this was the guy. It's like, this is the guy we want. We want a receiver, and we want Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. We don't want uh, any of the Alabama guys. We don't want any of these other guys. This is the guy we want. Mm-hmm. And four guys were taken in front of them. They're like, well, it's going to be close. And I have no idea what Philadelphia was doing. And... We got the guy we wanted, and he appears to be the best guy. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, and I just go back. Daniel Carlson set uh, Raiders like scoring record or something this year with all the field goals. I mean, he only missed two field goals this year. And you just think back to what two years ago when he got canned after week was it week two? Yeah, week two against Green Bay week after two. he missed those three or four field goals. And Zimmer had the short hook, and I and I get it from Zimmer's perspective after the whole Blair Walsh uh, issue and incident there, with, you know, losing that game against Seattle in the wild card game. But uh, that looks like a poor decision right now. So they, they have to get this kicker position solidified and get someone in there um, who can do the job on a consistent basis. I don't know who that would be. But it looks it, that looks like a very bad decision right now by Zimmer letting Carlson go. I would like to ask him why he cut Carlson but not Dan Bailey. It's a fair point. Of all the of all the situations, kind of looking, I guess you would kind of say maybe you give the rookie a chance. Yep. Which is literally his second game, and you spent a draft pick on him. And he has been fine since. I probably would have cut him anyway. Mm-hmm. But of, of both situations, what they signed Bailey to is an extension, but as we know, those don't mean a hill of beans. So, and he probably didn't cost it the Tampa Bay game, but uh, he would have had a chance at the end if, yeah. if he makes those kicks at any second. If you win that game, guess what? You're playing again next week. In you the are. Playoffs, so. You are. And you're playing against the Saints team, which I think is beatable. Yeah, beatable, yeah. So... Disappointing, disappointing season overall. Seven and nine, um, made probably a game better than I probably thought earlier in the season when they're one and five. Mm-hmm. So, but they shouldn't have beat Carolina. Um, and they also what was it? But they probably should have beaten Seattle. Yep. So they kind of evens out. I have no idea how they beat Green Bay and the Bears. So they, they can't solve the Bears ever. So. Right. The one you want to actually beat the Bears in Chicago, they can't beat them at home. So, yeah, well, with, with the seventh playoff spot and how awful they were this year, this should be uh, this should be a playoff team 
next year, but maybe you need to win 10 games next year to get the playoffs. Who knows? And if you look at the at Zimmer's tenure here, they, they he makes the playoffs in the odd years and misses yeah. them in the even years. So this is a... Uh, this is a, if history is any uh, indication, means that the Vikings uh, should make the playoffs, but a lot certainly can happen here. Uh, with regards to the Vikings Kubiak? record. Well, yeah, new offense coordinator, probably. Uh, what, is Kubiak retiring? I believe so. What? I think so. That would be terrible. So, his kid might take over. Um, Kirk Cousins is not a new guy every year, it seems like, for his career, so. That's not helpful. No, it's not. But apparently he's only like 59 years old. He swear to God he was 70, but well, he's, he's only, only 59. I know he's had health issues like seizures and stuff in the past and stuff. So not uh, unlike Urban Meyer, uh, mm. his his health issues are probably a little more serious. I shouldn't, yeah, well, whatever, Urban Meyer. With regards it to... It is. Fuck Urban Meyer. Fuck him. Yeah. For all that happened at Ohio State, he's a piece of shit. And uh, fuck him for yeah. his health issues. Yep. He's full Yes. With regards to the Vikings, I did pick them at the beginning of the season, be 10-6. and six. They finished 7-9. and nine. That is three games under. Krenz, this was my best year of picking teams, and I don't know if it was a result of the pandemic or whatnot, but um, I picked over, uh, all, over a third of the league within a game, plus or minus. Uh Exactly right was New Orleans, Tampa Bay, and Tennessee. Cleveland, Kansas City, Las Vegas, and the Chargers all won one more game than I expected. Cincinnati, Detroit, Jacksonville, the Jets, and Seattle all won one fewer game than I expected. Uh, the The biggest discrepancy... Uh, let me th- guess. Let me guess. Yeah. What? So is there one team? Nope. Uh, it is... It is. There are five teams. Two, one, five. Two. Do you want me to give you the number or just the teams? Yeah, what? What were you like? Three, four, five off. What was it? The, the highest, the largest discrepancy was five off, and I had five teams where I was five games off on their record. Two, one, five more games than I thought they would. Three teams won five fewer games than I thought they would. Miami, one more. Yep. Yeah, you saw Jacksonville was going to be pretty shitty. Um, uh, Dallas? Dallas, five fewer games. Yep. Philadelphia? Yes, five fewer games. Atlanta? No. Atlanta was three off. Uh, what are the other two? San Francisco uh, won five fewer games, and Buffalo won five more games than I thought. And if it, it, I don't know if you recall back at the beginning of this when we were talking about this, I said if there's two teams that I don't know how to peg this year that I think are going to win more games than what I'm projecting, it would it was Indianapolis and Buffalo because I had them both at eight and eight, and I didn't like it. Uh, it was just how it kind of all fell into place. Indy won three more games than I thought, and Buffalo won five more. But normally there's like a six or a seven loss in there. That didn't happen this year. Uh, Twelve teams within one game. And in fact, headed into Sunday, into into week 17, 
Cincinnati, Cleveland, Detroit, Jacksonville, Las Vegas, the Chargers, the Saints, the Jets, Tampa Bay, and Tennessee. All could I could have had the right uh, record for all of those teams. So that is 10 teams that if their results um, would have changed. Now, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, and Tennessee did. So there are seven other teams who, with their results, if it had been different, I would have uh, gotten 10 teams exactly right. So That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the bad teams were bad, the good teams were good. There weren't a whole lot of surprises. Nope. nope. The Jets were expected to be awful. Uh, Jacksonville was expected to be bad. Chiefs were good. Miami, I you think, know, is the I, biggest surprise. Miami, yeah. Oh, I mean, Tua, they won games finally. Uh, Tua wasn't great. He struggled at times. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they can figure that out. But uh, I, 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 I wish Miami. I hope they're good. Hope they're good for a while. Yeah. Well, if nothing else, then for Charlie's sake. Yes, for for Mister Hildebrandt's sake. Um, I know that we have we have to talk college football here. Do you want me to table the eight quarter the the quarterback um, needy teams because I think there's a lot of them. We'll table that to next week. Um, I, I've got I've got one for you. Okay. Would you trade Kirk Cousins for Matt Stafford? No. You I would s- rather have Kirk Cousins. I say that because Stafford gets injured. Yeah, that's probably a good, a good reason. Yeah, I made a bold prediction earlier, and it ruffled a few uh, Colts fans' feathers wrong. Uh, but it looks well, like it's going to be. It, it looks like it's going to be accurate here. I, I'm thinking. I would say right now, I would give it 65% odds that it will happen. Uh, that Carson Wentz will end up in Indianapolis. The you want to know another bold prediction here, Crins? This is even bolder. Matt, this is bolder than Matt, bold. This is bolder. Matt Stafford, or he can opt out. Is that what what, what the deal is? Um, I'm not sure. I, th- I th- think he can opt out. Yeah. Maybe after next year. I don't know. Uh, but I hope he goes somewhere. So my, maybe next year. My bold prediction. So we'll get to all the quarterback. We'll get to the quarterback talk and like the needy teams next week. Um, well, well, give me, give me a hint. What, what's, what would well, this? I'll give you the bold prediction right now. I'll, I was just, I was saying, we'll, we'll talk about the teams that are that I think have a lot of quarterback questions. We'll table that to next week because it is the highest number of teams that I can remember in a long time. Um, so we'll get to that. We'll we'll do that next week. I know we 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 teased it for this week from last week. We're te- we're teasing it again next week. I promise next week we will do it. Here's the bold bold prediction. Garoppolo gets traded from San Francisco to New England, and Kirk Cousins gets traded from Minnesota to San Francisco. Who do we end up with? I don't know yet. I haven't worked that. I haven't worked that part out yet. But that is my prediction. That that is my bold, bold prediction that Garoppolo ends up back in New England, and Kirk Cousins makes his way to the Bay. All right. Yeah, that could. Uh, that's that's possible. Oh, that that's, that's logical. New England needs a quarterback. Uh, Garoppolo. Uh, obviously, they like him, and obviously, uh, Shanahan likes Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Um. 
I don't think it's going to happen. I think Kirk is here for the long haul. I agree. So I'm, I'm interested to see like, where, like, who, who is the next guy? And how long is he? Is, is Kirk Cousins still here in, in, in four or five years, or are we moved down to the set? If the, if the Vikings were to trade Kirk Cousins, obviously you would look into the draft. But a quarterback that I would trade for, Matt Ryan. Yeah, you you do like Matt Ryan. I think uh, I think his skills are deteriorating perhaps a little faster than Matthew Stafford's. I think he's probably a year or two older than Stafford. I think if I'm if I'm remembering this yep. correctly, but I'm looking at the durability. And uh, I I don't know now that I'm, I'm second now I'm thinking about this again, boy I don't know that's a that's a tough one I like I, I it's like he yeah, he's feared to be on the downswing you don't want Philip Rivers uh, Matt Ryan they're bad so that's not good I haven't watched them enough to know I mean and and, and, they, and they always blow a lead so it's probably they're probably what they win four games they're probably. They're probably an eight and eight team rather than a four and twelve team. Yeah, but they're still not not any good. So, um, I would want Kyle Trask. I guess that's the quarterback I want uh, for the Vikings. His bad Cotton Bowl outing aside, but I think you could, I think you can attest yeah. that to the fact that there were several key weapons that he yeah. didn't have who opted out of the bowl game. I don't give the bowl game any credence, good or bad. It's a game that happened. Some guys didn't play, some guys did. I don't. Trevor Lawrence didn't play well. Justin Fields did. I don't. I don't care. Okay. No. So, uh, speaking of that, um, it was a it was a pretty amazing performance in um, in, in New Orleans. Friday was that Friday night? Was that New Year's Day? Yeah, yeah Friday, Friday night. night. Uh, just what, what Justin Fields did in Ohio State uh, is remarkable. Now, I didn't want Ohio State in just because of the of the whole credibility with the Big Ten thing and just allowing them in because they didn't have five, you know, didn't have six games in. Uh, they didn't look great in the Big Ten game. I would have liked to see a team like Cincinnati or Texas A and M in there instead. But there's no there's no doubt that Ohio State is one of the four best teams. In the in the land, and they showed that Friday night, absolutely destroying a Clemson defense. And I will say this: I think that the the hit on Fields by Skalski, the linebacker, that they called a targeting penalty on, even though he hit him right in the back. Um, I get that he lowered his helmet and stuff, but it's not towards the head. It's a it's a low hit. I I found that ejection to be incredibly ridiculous. Uh, what were your thoughts on that hit? Second year it's happened for, for him, I guess. Yeah, like, it is correct, but, like, even if, if that's correct, you have to call a lot of other calls that they don't call it. If it's not to the head, they usually don't call it. So... Is it, was it because it, it, his back was exposed? I mean, who, who, too bad then. Just yeah. don't... I don't understand these... Don't dip your head. Don't hit with your helmet. Have your head look at what the fuck you were tackling. Mm-hmm. Don't look at the what the fuck you're tackling and use your arms. Don't hit a guy like Sandejo. Don't just fucking go ram into a son of a bitch because <laughs> you want to. 
literally take your hands, grab a jersey, take your arms, wrap them up. Yep. It's uh, very frustrating. Very frustrating. So this is what these idiots do, and uh, he was hurting. I don't know if he had uh, should have played, and he played the great in the second half too. Yep. Like, all right, well, we got a ball game now. Well, it, it turns out we did not. We did not have a ball game now. Yep. So, um, do you that think- was that was a thorough, thorough ass whipping of our Clemson Tigers. Yes, it was, and it ends Trevor Lawrence's uh, tenure. Likely tenure, he's going to declare, and I think he'll be the number one overall pick for the Jaguars. Do you think? And by the way, he is zero two in the state of Louisiana. Lost the national championship game last year and lost in the Sugar Bowl this year. Thirty four and zero everywhere else he's been. Uh, do you think that a field should have been? should have come back and should have played in that game because he, he obviously was hurting uh, and I don't think they did much for him. They, they've heard like maybe he got a couple of shots, but he was clearly in pain. Uh, maybe he didn't want to come out, but boy, that the optics of that didn't look very good. No, I mean, obviously Ohio State, they're, they're a discovered bunch and uh, they are going to, they're going to, the reason why they wanted to see it was because they felt they could win a national title and here they are. One game away, so they're obviously going to, right or wrong, they're going to play their guys, whether they're they're injured or not. They are going to play their guys. The, do you think they have any chance to beat Alabama? Now, I, I, you know, Notre yeah. Dame, Notre Dame fought them hard. Notre Dame played better in this college football playoff game than they had uh, in yeah. the previous game. Like, who who they beat? They lost to Clemson a few years back, and they sure as heck played better than they did in the national championship game against Alabama a number of years ago. Uh, but this Alabama team is super, super good. Najee Harris, running back. Devontae Smith, wide receiver. Mac Jones, quarterback. Very, very, very good. Prolific offense here. they got a pretty good defense. Uh, what? I, Ohio State's got a prolific offense, too, but I think overall Alabama's probably a little bit better. Uh, what? What? How do you handicap this national championship game? Well, uh, yeah, Alabama didn't play great. Their offense was rolling, then it just kind of stopped. They were throwing all over, and then, then they just did, then they just stopped. So it's not like they, like at Notre Dame, they couldn't. They offensively took them forever to score. But Ohio State, they can they can score as many points as anybody. So yeah, I, I, I do give them a shot here against against Alabama. And then for me, I have to pick them in the bowl. Pick them. I'm not going to win, but I can maybe finish second. But is everybody else going to do the same thing? Are they going to switch their picks? Because everybody's going to be picking uh, Alabama. But uh, do you actually pick Ohio State to jump people in the standing? So um, I think it's going to be a real good game. Hopefully Fields is healthy or at least plays well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that running back they had was a son of a bitch. So yep. um, I think I think it should be a good game. I think it'll be, I'll take Ohio State plus eight or whatever it is. And with over unders early at 80, so uh, that's good for everybody. I thought I had Kentucky in the bull pick I should have looked before. I thought I had Kentucky. I picked Kentucky in the blog that day, and mm-hmm. I had North Carolina State picked. And those 16 points are crucial. If I had those 16 points, I think I would I think I think would have won again this year. Um, so uh, between that and missing the App State pick, uh, two crucial mistakes – on my part in the bull pick them and all these cancellations. So, I mean, I'm glad that we didn't have to see Arkansas against TCU in the Texas bowl game, but these 
all these cancellations. Like bowl season, we, we look forward to bowl season. We look forward to the bowl pick them. It's, it's a great time during the holidays. But this was a ridiculous and, and quite frankly, a joke this year. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Um, yeah, those, those games wouldn't have added anything if they would have played the games that got canceled. Like, oh, we missed out on this game. It wouldn't have mattered. But, yeah, the games weren't all that great. Playoff games were blowouts. And Notre Dame, um, they were down, they were down, and then they scored a touchdown to go down 17 or down 18. And then they went for one instead of two to make it a 16-point. And there was like two minutes left. It ultimately didn't matter. But then they got the onside kick, left, kick back, and they're down like 16 points with three um, a minute to go. So I have no idea why the flip, uh, they didn't go for two, down by uh, 18 points. You go for two, you're down 16. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. No, no, and, and also, they had... Uh... They had it, like, inside the 20 at one point in the fourth quarter, and they needed points, uh, and they chose to go for it rather than uh, kick a field goal. Uh, And honestly, like, three points at the end doesn't mean a whole lot. But you kick a field goal. I always think you take the points when you need it if there's enough time left. It just helps you down the line. Uh, You know, and they didn't. And it was – I don't know. I thought it was – Kind of ridiculous that they didn't kick a field goal there. Must have taken the Doug Peterson playbook uh, analytics yep. class. Um, what else? What else have you taken away from bowl season? Anything? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Texas hired their coach. They did. Hired a hired a drunk. Which is interesting. I mean, uh, they were terrible. It's not like they underachieved. They're about where they kind of are, top 20 team. So, I th- so that's kind of just what they are, and then their expectations are higher than that. So. Do you think that they that they have a better chance to do anything under Steve Sarkeesian versus Tom Herman? Because oh. I don't think so. I think this is a step down. Yeah, it's not like they got of like, oh, we had, to, we had to get rid of this guy because we got some other guy who's just going to... We got Urban Meyer coming in who's just going to kill it. We got Bob mm-hmm. Stoops coming in. He's going to turn it around. Like, no... They got a guy. Yeah. Well, we'll see how he does. He's been good at Alabama. Hopefully he doesn't uh, drink himself to death. So right. we'll, we'll see how he does. It, at best, the move is a lateral move. It's not It's not a step up. Um, no. But it is a redemption. Well, like, what, what do they want? Do they want to, want to win the Big 12? Do they want to be in the playoffs? Probably. But you, you can't ever beat Oklahoma. So what right. the hell does it matter? Well, it's just it. It is a nice redemption story for Steve Sarkeesian go- coaching under Nick Saban in Alabama. Uh, so it's good to see from that standpoint. I do wish him success, of course, in his um, you know staying sober and all that. But uh, yeah, I I don't get the move for Texas. Um, they're impatient down there. They're impatient all over the South when it comes to football, um, and certainly at Texas. Uh, <laughs> I, I just don't get it. I, I really don't. Uh, Texas is really good, though, at one sport right now, and that's college basketball. Uh, they go into Allen Foghouse, or the F- Fog Allen Fieldhouse, the Fog, and they crush Kansas by 25. I get it. It's not a, the normal atmosphere that you would get at Kansas, which is one of the best 
in the sport. But I think it's time now we start taking Shaka's uh, boys seriously here. What a tournament game. That'll be all, all care. Okay. <laughs> um, Make the tournament first. Make it first. Then win a game. Then I will care, Mr. Smarks. Are we? Then I will care. Are we really not going to have Kentucky in uh, the NCAA tournament this year? I wouldn't imagine. Well, they won in. They won what, two, two and five, two and six. I can't imagine. Two and six right now. Well, at this pace, I can't imagine. They have to really turn it around here, but that would be stunning to see. Speaking of the NCAA tournament, all games will be played in Indianapolis and the surrounding areas. I believe uh, they will be. At, played at also Bloomington at Assembly Hall there as well as West Lafayette, uh, the University of Purdue, getting some. But uh, really, a, play in Butler. Play at Butler. They right? are they, they are playing at, at Hinkle Field House as well. That is okay. one of the sites. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it's weird though. This is going to be a weird year for the NCAA tournament. It'll be nice that it's back. Um, I, I mean, we'll we'll see where the vaccine is at that at that point and where the virus is um i get that you needed to do to do this to solidify plans and stuff but um i don't know it's going to be weird if we're at a point in march where the the virus if more if a lot of people have vax are, are vaccinated and stuff and it would be safe to do it in multiple other cities around the country it would be it's just going to be weird to see it all take place in essentially one city and that being indianapolis what's weird is that they shut everything down in march and things are a hundred times worse now well that's so we just yeah. keep yep. we just keep rolling on and whatever happens these next two months things are going to be so much worse than they were a year ago yep but we're going to have the tournament now but we're, we didn't last year so the oh the crap but uh well the big 10 very very good um I don't know how much I can, how seriously I could take the Gophers, but they're playing really well right now. Um, but really, it's a, on any given night, a team in the Big Ten, apart from Pitt, uh, Penn State or Nebraska, can win. I mean, we, Michigan State's not playing very good. Uh, Iowa's great with Luca Garza. Illinois is kind of falling back down a bit. Michigan's great. Rutgers very good. Maryland is you know they, they beat Michigan State the other day or, or some squad. Maybe it was Iowa. I can't remember. Anyway, Maryland won a game. Iowa and Rutgers. What happened? I think Iowa won. Uh, Iowa won. Rutgers. Yep. Rutgers is very good. Yes. Uh, Northwestern has some nice wins. Yes. That's good. That's always good. Uh, So the Big Ten, significant. Uh, They're just going to keep beating up on one another, but I think the quality wins are going to ultimately prevail uh, for both teams. Or for everyone in there. So we'll see how many teams the Big Ten gets. Uh, certainly, uh, some conferences aren't very good. No. And some only play starts uh, this weekend. We'll see how that goes. For SDSU, yep. First, and, uh, yep, first games were last week, and already we had several ones that were canceled. I think more specifically on the women's side, I believe it was uh, – Nebraska, Omaha, and UND got canceled, or Oral Roberts and uh, UMKC. There were a few games that were canceled. Yep. Um, I mean, it, it all comes down to SDSU and USD for the women, and, you know, the Dakota schools for the men, nobody else matters. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Dude, just, uh, just to tune up until then. Yep. Really. Um, anything else from the college basketball world that uh, – 
we need to take note of. I mean, Gonzaga is the best team, head and shoulders. Yeah. It's. Yeah, well, usually the best team never wins. So we'll see what happens with Gonzaga this year. Um, Villanova can't seem to get a game in, um, which is fine. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm in more college basketball thing this year than I was last year. That's good. That's good. Uh, I mean, I like that. I mean, Rutgers, for Christ's sake, Rutgers. And it's not like it's not like they're Coastal Carolina either. It's like right. they've beaten somebody. They've beaten the Northwestern <laughs> has beaten somebody. So it's not like these are a bunch of bullshit teams. Like they've beaten some folks. So they have, they have. Anything else that we haven't gotten to that we need to get to? That's about it. We talked the big baseball trade last week, and yep. yeah, we did. That's about it. Yeah. All right. Well, enjoy the uh, the playoffs this weekend. Uh, enjoy some college basketball. Uh, we'll figure out a time to do the podcast next week, either before or after the national championship game in college football there. Uh, but uh, you have a great week. A happy 2021 to you and Melissa and the and the pups. And, uh, yeah, no, the weather's good. Uh, we'll see what happens in the Georgia runoff this week. Uh, big stuff happening in 2021. Big things. Things are only getting better. It's getting better. They are. They are. Very good. Thank you, my friend. All right. I'll see you next week. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. Travis Grins here joining us on the Sports Block Podcast. Of course, always appreciate his time, as always. So great stuff there. Fantastic playoff talk, in-depth stuff there. Uh, just to hell with the Eagles. Really. Um, we will, I, I promise, we'll talk the quarterbacks next week because i looking at a number of these teams here and I can't remember a year in which there are so many quarterback questions for so many teams. Uh, some are more certainly more important than others. Some we know the direction they're going to go than others. But, um, yeah. We'll see what happens there. Uh, certainly interesting watch a longer podcast here this week because we're just beginning uh coming up we'll have uh charlie hildebrand on to talk about uh the college football bowl games what he saw from the playoffs last weekend and preview the national championship might try and get matt zimmer from the argus leader on to talk about the summit league and the chances for sdsu if not we'll try and get him on later on in in the year on the podcast but we'll see what we can do uh and of course uh we'll make the official picks for the playoff games, though uh, Travis and I disagree on some, uh, but we're kind of right in the same ballpark, and we want the same things, I think. So, that's good. This podcast, though, always can be found on podcast.com. Uh, search Sports Block. Follow me on Twitter, at Andy and Travis Crins at Travis Crins. Facebook, Nathan Stacken. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. We did post last week's show uh, just today and Monday forth so take a listen to that last podcast of 2020 a good one there for sure to listen to Uh, but coming up next charlie hildebrand talking some college football playoff we'll we'll try and get squeeze some summit league basketball talk in as well and make our final pick so plenty more to get to here on the first sports block podcast of 2021 stick around come back more good talk more good sports talk coming up here sports block podcast We're continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast and time to talk more college football and look ahead to the national championship game between Ohio State and Alabama. Who better to do that with than our resident college football expert and my good friend Charlie Hildebrand from the Northwest Iowa Review. Charlie, how are you? 
I'm good. I'm good. Good. Cobra Kai dropped on Netflix the first day of 2021. And I already feel like 2021 is better than 2020. Just because of that. I feel like 2021 just at 12 o'clock at 01 second was better than 2020. And uh, let me be among the last to wish you a happy new year, my friend. That's okay. I appreciate it. You know what? Time's, time's a construct. So, I mean, that, that works for me. Uh, let's see. Where do, where to begin? Well, you know what? Uh, we're recording this here on, uh, you know what? It doesn't matter when we're recording it. The fact of the matter is, Devontae Smith is your Heisman Trophy winner. Wide receiver from Alabama. Uh, only the third wide receiver ever to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, so congrats to him. Uh, out of the four candidates, Kyle Trask, uh, Trevor Lawrence, and Mac Jones, all quarterbacks, Devontae Smith seemed to have the pretty clearest case, I would say, for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, Trevor Lawrence did finish second, but I think the Heisman uh, committee made the right call in uh, in picking Devontae Smith as the uh, Heisman Trophy winner, wide receiver from Alabama. I would agree. I think you could make cases for the three quarterbacks for a variety of different reasons. Absolutely. Yep. Um, I know they voted on it before the, the, uh, like freaking which bowl game Florida played in. I don't remember if it was the cotton bowl or the cotton bowl. The yep. beach bowl. Yep. But, but yeah, they voted on it prior to that. But once that was over, it was like, yeah, it's going to look pretty bad if Florida, if Kyle Trask gets on 29th in Trump. Yep. But prior to the bowl game, I think you could have made a pretty good case for him. Well, he was. You can make a good case for Lawrence and Jones, but I, I, I would, I, I think giving it to Smith was the right choice. I mean, he had what, like, 18, 19 touchdowns, twenty receiving touchdowns, a punt return for a touchdown, and a rushing touchdown. It's just sensational. And I think for Trask too, in the Cotton Bowl, he's missing his tight end. He's missing another wide receiver. So the timing's off with some of these other younger guys. You know, for whatever that's worth. You know, if you're a good quarterback and you want to make it to the pros. You have to be able to play with whoever is on the field. Uh, last week, we saw a number of bowl games, uh, and we'll get to the, co- the the playoff game specifically here in a moment, but what stood out to you most from last week's bowl games? That's a good question. I'm trying to run through some of the bowl games. I only remember you didn't mention this. I will say we are recording this on a Monday. I remember the NFL games and the two semifinal games the most. Uh, clearly, mm-hmm. um, I know I, Iowa State beat Oregon, and that was a fun game to watch. Yes, it was. Um, if, if none other than for Mike Golick Sr. eating cake on live television. That, that's right. Good point. I'm not going to dispute that at all. I'm also remembering that Cincinnati-Georgia was a really good game. Yep. And if uh, Cincinnati would have maybe done some clock stuff better when they had the ball, well, actually, they had the ball very, very stupid, took safety, but... Their second-to-last possession, trying to run the clock out, if they would have uh, played the clock better, I think they could have won the game or at least burned another 20 seconds off the clock and made it way harder for Georgia to to score and take the lead. But um, those are the ones that stick out off the – I mean, I'm sure I'm forgetting some bowl game. Like, I remember Army and West Virginia had a good game. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember other ones because I know there's something else I'm forgetting. Well, how about Jimbo Fisher pulling a hammy, running away from his guys, uh, 
trying to dump the Gatorade bath on him after A&M wins the Orange Bowl. Uh, the very entertaining Orange Bowl game, I might That's add. Right. Uh, I am incredibly disappointed. That was on after uh, the Iowa State Oregon yes. Fiesta Bowl, right? Yes. I don't know how I forgot that. I literally watched, <laughs> I don't know about the entire game, but certainly I think all of the second half. Mm-hmm. And I somehow have forgotten about that. Where, yeah, where... <laughs> Well, what's his name? The North Carolina quarterback rolling out and just finding a wide-open North Carolina guy like 60 yards downfield. And that was when I was like, oh, there are a lot of points in this game. Yep. And I enjoy watching. Yep, Sam Howell uh, played really well. Kellen Mond played well. Uh, I mean, the, the running backs at A&M are really good. Uh, I think my favorite thing about that game, I, I did want North Carolina to win. But when they were comparing Kellen Mott to Johnny Manziel, their stats, and it's like you guys realize Johnny Manziel put all his up in only two years, right? Yeah. So you're saying like, oh my god, look at Kellen Mond. he's got more passing yards. It's like, well, yeah, he's played like 20 more games. Mm-hmm. V- absolutely, absolutely, a great valid point there. Uh, Ole Miss beats Indiana. That was a bummer to see. Kentucky won. Um, Northwestern one. NC State. I forgot about that one. Yep. Also a good game. Uh, a fight broke out at the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl between Mississippi State and Tulsa, and both coaches just brushed it off like it was nothing. So, uh, to that that's not great. Um, I mean that was really the. It's there have been more post game, or maybe not, I shouldn't say post game, but late game brawls and bowl games in the last five or six years. Than I think there have been. Yes, in all of the previous years combined. Mm-hmm. Unless they just were like, hey, let's not report on this so we can cover it up, which I honestly, I don't know what they did in, you know, 1948, if that was stuff they did or not. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other news before we get more into the semifinals, uh, that Tom Herman out at Texas and Steve Sarkeesian is in. I... That's right. There's been so much stuff that's happened. I also forgot about that and am stunned that they fired Tom Herman. I mean, I'm not saying that Tom Herman was going to, you know, completely right the ship this next season and mm-hmm. win 11 games and win the conference. He had a winning record every year, and they weren't that bad this year. I mean, who they lose? They lost it like triple overtime or double overtime to Oklahoma. Yep. He ended up winning the conference title. If I remember right, they lost by three to Iowa State. I don't remember if they missed a field goal or Iowa State made a field goal late or maybe they weren't any late field goals. But I think it was three points when obviously Iowa State just had the best season in school history. It was incredibly good this year. And I forget the one other game they lost to, but I mean, it's not like you watch Texas and we're like, oh, wow, Texas is awful. What are uh, they doing? Yeah, TCU beat them uh, by two. Yeah, so yeah, three games. They easily could have won any of those three. And it's not like, you know, there's times where you do this where it's like, like all those close losses. It's like, well, yeah, but they lost seven. And when you're going five and seven, that's not good. Well, but they were, I, I think, seven, seven and three. I, I forget how many. Since it was a weird year, I don't remember how many games each team played. Yeah, Everybody I mean, did play 12. I'm pulling it up right now here. I think. I, I think it was. And uh, they smoked Colorado in the bowl game. Yep. Seven and three or eight and three. Se- seven, seven and three. Seven and three was the record. Yeah, and uh, I understand that you know they're not like year two. I think that was year four. And uh, it was either it was I think it was the second year where they beat Georgia at the Sugar Bowl. That was his best year. Mm-hmm. 
and like I said, I mean, I, I, I don't know that he was going to go on a background run where he was winning 11 games for like eight straight years, but it seemed a little premature also, especially. And this is one of the things I do now, and I don't know if it's just being older or if I've just heard other people point this out in the past and it's made me think of this more. Mm-hmm. But if you're firing someone, who are you replacing? I think we talked about this with Auburn, where they ended up getting Brian Harson for Boise State, but there were Auburn people that wanted to get Kevin Steele. Yep. It's like, I'm pretty confident Kevin Steele's not a better head coach than Gus Malzahn. I don't know if Steve Sarkeesian's a better head coach than Tom Herman. I, I, they're both really good offensive coordinators. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Sarkeesian's bad. I think he could be good at Texas. Texas is a weird job, though, where, you know, if you don't have a Nick Saban-type personality where you can win quick and get all the boosters in line and say, like, yeah, we don't care what you think. We're doing it my way, and you yep. win enough that you'll be okay with it. I, mean, like, I don't know if Sarkeesian can do that. I mean, I'm not saying can't do it. It might work out. I mean, I think he's I think he's a decent enough coach that, you know, if you get some breaks, like, he could be good. But I certainly don't look – let's put it this way. When Tom Herman got hired at Texas from Houston – I, I'm assuming you and most of the world were like, oh my God, what a hire. This is a lights out hire by Texas. They're going to be so good three years from now. Mm-hmm. And while it didn't quite work out that way, they weren't bad. And I'm surprised he got fired, but I certainly don't have that feeling with Steve Sarkeesian. I would imagine they'll probably be about as good as they were as under Tom Herman. You know, it's, it's so weird because I, I agree with you on pretty much everything there. Um, also should be noted that Sam Ellinger, the, the Texas quarterback declared for the NFL draft. I, I mean, I have to think that that was in part kind of the reason here, uh, due to Tom Herman getting fired. I mean, expectations are crazy at Texas anyway. Uh, crazy, just as crazy as almost any other school in the SEC or any school in the SEC, apart from perhaps Vanderbilt and South Carolina. But that being said, uh, I, I had mentioned this to Krenz earlier. Uh, when I said this is a lateral move, uh, and you brought up the Auburn uh, discussion that we had uh, last week. But this decision by Texas to hire Steve Sarkeesian to replace Tom Herman, this is a, a, is a lateral move. I like that you call it a lateral move because we always think of that in terms of like the people, the coaches, or the players doing it. Not in terms of like the school or the job mm-hmm. hiring, but but I, I I think you're right that it is. I mean, he could end up being better, but based off all the information we have, there's nothing that says he's going to be dramatically better. No, I mean through four, like if through four years, and you know, not counting that they played fewer games this year, we go by winning percentage. But in four years, we were like, oh, actually, it turned out that Steve Sarkeesian. Had, you know, was like 3% better in wins, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. That's not that much better. But if you would tell me that Steve Sarkeesian's going to win two conference titles at Texas and have, you know, 80 to 100 percentage, or not, or 80 or 0.1 or 0.08, you know, better winning percentage if we're, you know, going by the baseball point three numbers. Yep, yep. Like, I wouldn't. I would be. I would say. I mean, you could be right, but that seems very unlikely. It, to me, it seems like okay. Like Dabo Sweeney, of course, would be a huge step up in terms of head coaching. Ryan Day 
at Ohio State. That that's a better uh, that's a leap in coaching from Tom Herman. I would say. Heck, I I might. I don't know if Ryan Day is a leap, but that's another debate we can get okay. into. Okay, so then maybe I'm going. I'm only saying that because I, mean, I think Ryan Day is a good coach, but obviously inherited a perfect situation yep. where Tom Herman did not inherit a perfect situation. So so maybe these are these next two names are a little little off but uh, like a, a Pat Fitzgerald from Northwestern or the uh, what the the Dennis Allen from Indiana had a great year this year like those Tom Allen from Indiana uh, uh, I'm sorry what was his name I did I botch Tom it Allen. Tom Allen I'm sorry not Dennis Allen he uh, yeah, the, he had the last name right yeah. but, but based off what you said I mean I think those coaches are certainly better or more proven in terms of building things and certainly building things with worse resources now you know they're both defensive minded coaches and you know we're, we're I mean, Iowa State does some is sort of defensive-minded. They've made it work. So, I mean, I think you couldn't make it work at Texas. But, mm-hmm. but I think Steve Sarkeesian, obviously, is a very good offensive coordinator. I don't know if he's a better offensive coordinator than Tom Herman. But, you know, he could – certainly, I think he'll be good on offense at Texas and in the Big 12. But it's good to be good on offense. It's good to be good in offense in general in college mm-hmm. football because, I mean, you know, I mean, let's remember that a decade ago, Alabama – was like, hey, let's, you know, get deflate the air out of the ball, wrap the other team up like an anaconda and squeeze the life out of them with right. our defense and win 21-6 to six in a super gross game that's a blowout. But doesn't look like it score-wise, and now they completely flipped the other way. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, yeah, I mean, we can give up 30. I mean, look what they did when they beat Ole Miss. Yep. They're like, yeah, I mean, we gave up 40, but we knew they were never going to stop us. And if we score on every possession – which they did against Notre Dame, but there was a point in time it felt like they were going to score out every possession mm-hmm. against Notre Dame. It was just like, yeah, we're going to win because we're going to score every single time. I just know that Steve Sarkeesian also has a little bit of baggage with him it, it, from previously. He's he's stand-up right now, but he did have issues with drinking before. It seems like he's kind of, he's got things under control and stuff, but there is just... There are, I mean, that's okay. I'm sure Austin's a dry city and county, right? There isn't any partying at the University of Texas. No, right? the, no, not at all. No, the, the stand up uh, university uh, and dry. It's it's drier than uh, the the county that uh, Jack Daniels is made in, in in Tennessee, which is a dry county, literally. Did you know that? Did you know the county? Uh, I had forgotten that. I, I, you mentioned that. I kind of remember hearing something about that before, and it's one of those things that you're like, that can't be right. Yeah. And I think someone looked it up or showed me something on Wikipedia or something like that. I was like, oh, that's weird. But it, it, okay, is, it is a dry county. The way they get by with selling you know, the, uh, the Jack Daniels distillery there, uh, the way they get by selling whiskey is they say, we're selling you the bottle. There just happens to be whiskey in it. It's it's just it's phenomenal there and of course why would anyone you know why would any county or state say yeah uh, people are going to come from all walks of life and uh, are willing to spend countless amounts of dollars on this yeah we're not going to let you do it yeah yeah that's that's ridiculous but that's neither here nor there uh, so I think we we both are in agreement then that this is not uh, that this was a surprising firing and not exactly in inspiring hire. Um, no, I mean, if it would have been like, hey, guess what? We just hired Urban Meyer. You'd be like, oh, okay, I get it, Texas. Yeah. That makes sense. I certainly understand why you fired a man. Yeah. 
Um, so let's go to the semifinal playoffs. Uh, Alabama rolls Notre Dame. I give Notre Dame credit for making uh, for for playing a lot better in this game than they did against Clemson a couple years ago and in the national championship against Alabama. Uh, what was that? Probably close to a seven eight years ago, maybe a decade or so ago. Now we're approaching that. Uh, I can probably figure this out. I believe it was it was twenty twelve. Okay, it was years, 2011 when Alabama beat LSU in the rematch, and it was the next. I mean, it was in 2013, the game itself. Okay, so eight years ago. Season. Eight years ago, then. Yeah. Um. So I give Notre Dame credit for that. Uh, Alabama's offense looked really good. Kind of took their their foot off the pedal a little bit there at the end. But uh, I mean, how Alabama's just so good. What was your biggest takeaway from that game? Uh, in or yeah, what, what what was it? It was basically, I mean, like you said, it, it was Alabama's offense that it looked like Notre Dame kind of went with the uh, like, yeah, we realized this game's over and we're probably not going to win, and let's do stuff where you know the clock moves and we'll move the ball some. And like, I'll, I'll give them credit. I'm not saying they like phoned it in, but certain the you know the clock moved. There were fewer possessions, and they uh. They still played good defense. They forced stops at times, which, you know, a couple of them I was really surprised they were able to do. But just the way that, you know, field position, like if you look at analytics, I, I don't remember all the stats that they say are the most important, but of the four or five, one of them's field position, that even if you start, you know, on average, like five or six yards closer to the end zone mm-hmm. than the opposing team in a game, you know, you start at the... 30 and they start at the 24 but that's actually like a bigger difference than you'd think yep and it just doesn't seem like i mean i think that's true but it doesn't seem like that's the case against alabama we can be like actually you know what we we put them in they thought we were going to go for it on fourth and one from midfield we got them to run punt safe so we could get the ball get our you know our gunners down there down the ball at the two yard line back him up in field position i don't think that matters at all with that now they're just like that's fine we're going to hand it up the middle to our running back, who's one of the, at worst, the three best running backs or most talented in the country. Mm-hmm. And he's going to probably get at least five yards. And whenever we want to throw it, we've got, like, 17 NFL receivers, including the Heisman Trophy winner. And when they play Ohio State, they might even have Jalen Waddle back. Yeah. And uh, I forgot to mention this earlier, but Najee Harris, so good at running back, like, we've seen people hurdle people, you mm-hmm. know, a lot over the last few years. Mm-hmm. We've also seen it where they hurdle and, you know, like, land and catch their balance and keep going. Yep. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone do what Harris does. We're literally in midair. He was, I, I don't know if he, he probably didn't think this. It was just natural, you know, athleticism and movement and used to that. That allowed him to do it, but, you know, not thinking about it, but. Then he basically was like, oh, when I land, I'm going to make sure that, you know, my left foot's back, my right foot's forward, so I don't even lose stride when I land. I literally hit the ground and will have my foot go forward and not lose speed at all. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if I've ever seen it like that specific way before. Where it was just like, oh my God, I don't. I'm not saying he's the only person on the planet that can do it, because I don't think that's true, but he's the only person I've seen do it that specific way. Absolutely. I mean, it was such an incredible play to watch him there hurdle uh, Notre Dame defenders there. And to no one's surprise, Alabama won. 
The shocker of the night, the shocker of the day, was Ohio State not beating Clemson. Um, even though like the, I was hoping that Clemson would win just because I didn't want Ohio State in there, just because of everything that led up to Ohio State being in there. Uh, they, they are one of the four best teams. I totally understand that. But it was the way that they absolutely shredded Clemson's defense. Justin Fields put on a magnificent show, something that we hadn't seen a lot this season, especially coming off of that dreadful game in the Big Ten Championship against Northwestern. I, I, I'm going to push back some. I, I, what you said about Northwestern's right. I agree with that. He did in the other games he played. Now, there, there were fewer games because of the way the Big Ten did stuff. Mm-hmm. So there weren't as many opportunities. But I think in the three other before our Big Ten title game games I watched fields, he basically looked like that also. Yeah, I just I'm looking here. Like, certainly against Northwestern. He, yeah, that was bad. He looked really bad against Northwestern. I'm not disputing that. I think he looked similar to how he looked against Clemson in the other games, though. It was just that everybody was watching it as opposed to I don't blame anyone for not watching Ohio State murder Nebraska in week one, or at least not after you know, like, oh, it's halftime, I don't care anymore. And I think people, I think a lot of people missed it when they were doing it against Indiana, because they kind of got cold late when they were up big and Indiana mounted the big comeback. Mm-hmm. But certainly he was good prior to that. Yeah, he was. I, I'm just looking at his stats right now, and yeah, he's put he put up a lot of good numbers. Didn't play great against Michigan State, had under 200 yards through the air, um, but certainly, yeah, a lot of 300, 400-yard games. But I think it's just the mere fact that he did it against Clemson. Uh, I mean... Yeah, you know, just torched them. Right. I mean, They're not just that. I mean, Sermon running the ball, too. I yeah. mean, they... I don't know how many yards of offense they had, but... But but Venable, the defensive coordinator for Clemson, is one of the best in the country, and he had no answer. Now, I will say that the, the Skolski hit, I think, for him to be ejected for that is laughable. It is... I, I mean, it's a hit in the back. It's Yes, should, should you lower the head? No, you should not do that. But it's a hit to the back. It's not helmet to helmet. It's not near the neck area at all. I, I was stunned that they ejected him for that. That, that to me, is just its ridiculous. I didn't like it either. I mean, if they want to throw a flag, I suppose I could live with that. But I agree that I didn't like him you know, ejecting him or didn't like them ejecting him. And part of it, I mean, if Fields makes a better spin move and isn't kind of lackadaisical about it, makes mm-hmm. him miss, then it's, it's not even a question. Mm-hmm. Now, if he still plays, I don't think that really makes any difference in the final outcome at all. I mean, they may have one less touchdown, I suppose, but but I don't think that ultimately made much of a difference. But, but, but I agree that I was surprised. I was very surprised that he got kicked out. But Fields even like getting injured there and then coming back in, I mean, that was a hu- that could have been a turning point as well if Fields hadn't been able to come back. Clemson arguably could have come back and won that game. If he, if he wouldn't have, but let's also... I made this mistake, and then a friend of mine who I was talking to on uh, via text message during the game reminded me of something, but... You know, that drive, he came back in, or he threw a touchdown pass, and 
Mm-hmm. You know, he looked like really hurt when he threw it that same drive. Yep. And, you know, was wincing and stuff and went off the field. I remember they were talking about that. I said something to my friend about that. And he was like, dude, they're going to shoot him up with stuff. Yeah. And he'll be, he's going to play the rest of this game. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. And then he kept throwing it, and he literally never had that shot where he was like, oh, my God, I'm so ginger right now. Because they probably did do that. Well, and Clemson couldn't get to him anyway. So, I mean, that... that That's also that true. I, and it's worth noting that even though, you know, football's changed and it's harder to play defense, Clemson still had a whole... I think Lawrence had a whole bunch of passing yards and, you know, Clemson scored 28 points or whatever. But with all that said, the Clemson defensive line didn't have a problem putting pressure on Trevor Lawrence for the game. Right. Um, Does does this at all change your opinion in that Trevor Lawrence should be the number one overall pick in uh, in April's draft? Uh, do, Do you even give consideration to Justin Fields now after this performance or no? Um, based off what we've talked about a few weeks ago, I would give him consideration in the sense that you would have to do your due diligence as a scout to look at the other guy, too. But outside of learning, you know, that he's got a degenerative knee or some, you know, terrible illness, Mm -hmm. you know, that like, like Ernie Davis at Syracuse had when he got drafted. Outside of stuff like that, which I think is very unlikely, hopefully that's not happen. I would still take Lawrence one. I mean, if anything, that game against Clemson's probably the best uh, the best preview that most quarterbacks that are good enough to get drafted in the first round have had to what it's going to be like being the quarterback the Jaguars next year. The, They'll be like, oh yeah, you're probably going to have to run for your life some. Uh, yes. And it looks like you can take hits and not, you know, generally get hurt. I know there's times there's freak accidents and that can happen, but, you know, it's I, I would still do it, and it just it's just going to depend for Jacksonville how patient can you be and how uh, how well can you put another put a team of talented players around it. Yeah, I don't I, I don't think there's any question that Trevor Lawrence should be the number one overall pick. Now I think it's more along the lines of who do you take second? Is it Wilson or is it Fields? Zach Wilson from BYU. Uh, being the other quarterback there that I'm referencing. And you have to put an asterisk with that because it's not who would you pick, it's who would the Jets pick, and the Jets do weird stuff all the time. They do. Well, they could take now, an offensive tackle. I don't tackle. think they're going to draft a tight end second like they did that one year. I don't remember what year, but the one ESPN mm-hmm. always shows where they always boo. Yep, yep. But but I don't know what they're going to do. Like, like, if the Jets were like, hey, you know what? We're taking Kyle Pitts. I'd be like, what, Kyle Pitts is good? I don't think I'd take him second, but like, would we be stunned if the Jets did that? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, no, absolutely not. But what we do have is a, a very good national championship game ahead of us, if it's played on schedule. Right now, Ohio State has a, has a COVID outbreak. Uh, don't know who it's to, so we don't know who's going to play, but the, the national championship game going to be played as scheduled on Monday, January 11th. Uh, it, there was talk about trying to push it back another week to January 18th. It uh, doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. If COVID weren't an issue, this would be a very evenly matched game, but I would give the slight edge to Alabama. Uh, just think their weapons are a little bit better than what Ohio State has just by a smidge, but now with this COVID outbreak and stuff at Ohio State, again, not knowing who uh, 
may or may not have it or who may or may not play. But how does this impact the national championship? I mean, I would have picked Alabama anyway to begin with, but now this seems far more certain. Yeah, I, I don't have any special insight to what who's sick at Ohio State. But since I know just being a you know, sports writer here in Northwest Iowa, that we've had high school and college teams that have had to postpone or cancel games because of uh, coronavirus. And I don't specifically know, but something I remember hearing an athletic director saying that I would not have thought this, but could end up being you know, the case with Ohio State, that sometimes the problem isn't that you have like 30 players out, it's that you have like the long three guys from a position group at it all. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how many long snappers Ohio State has. If you've got three long snappers on your roster, though, and all three long snappers are out, like that's clearly long snappers, not one of the 20 most important positions on your team. But it's important enough that if you don't have any, it's really, really bad. Yes. Or if you're like, oh, yeah, actually, we have we have two scholarship kickers, one scholarship punter, and three other walk-ons, and none of them are healthy and can play. Then it's like, oh, well, we could maybe get someone to punt and not punt great and get, you know, 33 yards a punt. But, like, a, like, a like for field goals, it's just like, well, we're screwed then. We don't have anything. So, like I said, I don't know what it is. It could be 15 starters. It could be 40 backups. Or it could be something like that where it's not a lot of guys. It's just the wrong guys at a very specific position that you're kind of screwed if you don't have a well, Like a quarterback could do a pooch punt or something. But, I mean... That that aside, that that would be a worst case scenario here. Uh, but looking at this game, of course, you have Justin Fields against Mac Jones. Probably give the edge to Fields. Uh, Trey Sermon against Najee Harris. I hate to, to. I like Sermon. Sermon's a good guy, but yeah, I think you got to give the edge to Harris. Yeah, um, and then you know Devonte Smith versus uh, Chris Olive or Ali, however you, the hell you pronounce his name. O L I V E. I would assume he. I liked, think it's Olave. Olave. I, I, he must love beer or olives in his beer, though. Uh, I mean, he just probably guess. does. Um, if he's even of age to drink, I would imagine he is. Maybe not. Either way, that's beside the point. I brought up Jack Daniels and beer now in this segment here. We, we got to get that. I got to get this back on track here. Um, I understand what you're saying, though. That I think outside of quarterback, I don't know who which which team has the better offensive line. They both got incredibly good offensive line. So let's say offensive line for Wash, we'd give an edge to Fields at quarterback over Mac Jones. Yep. We'll probably give the edge to Alabama at everything else on offense. And, and if you toss defense. in that, we don't know, but it's possible that Alabama could have Jalen Waddle back at receiver for the game, too. Mm-hmm. That uh, That's something that you, well, I was gonna say, it's very scary. But I would, like you said, I would give the edge to Alabama. I would take them to win. I don't know how much they're favored by. I mean, if they're favored by like ten, I might have probably been Ohio State's cup. I don't know what the spread is. I will pull that up right now. Right now, and it's also a matchup where you look at it. It's just like, oh, this is really fun and interesting. One, just that it, it's teams that are different. I don't know. I shouldn't say that they're different. They're teams that have played in many college football playoff games. But they had played since the first semifinal, uh, the first year of the semifinal in 2014. Mm-hmm. So it's that's different. I mean, as, as good as Clemson and Alabama are, 
I'm completely happy that we're not going to see another Clemson Alabama game. I feel like I've had enough buzz for it. Yep. And I think based off of what we've seen, like top to bottom, they're probably the two most talented rosters, at least in terms of starters. I mean, if you want to say yep. Georgia is deeper when you get down to the threes, like, okay, maybe that's true. But, but based off of what we saw, and, you know, I, you never know. It could always be a blowout, be terrible. I feel like it's at least going to be a good game, you know, assuming that there aren't a whole bunch of guys out for Ohio State and make it bad. So, I mean, I would take Alabama to win, you know, a fun high-scoring game between, you know, two teams I particularly like. But Alabama to win, I don't know, like 41 to 35 or something like that. And I think that'd be fun to watch. I would imagine that uh, actually also the game's played in Miami. And, you know, I, I think we were talking about this before we went on air, but so all the uh, – the thousands and thousands of listeners know that <laughs> I'm very excited that all the Miami Dolphin scouts won't have to travel far yes. to scout all these players in person, man. And can be like, actually, there's a good chance we're going to take some. I, I honestly hope they take someone from that game at number three. And at De- this point in time, I hope it's Devontae Smith. Yep, I was just going to say, it, it better be Devontae Smith. And then Smith. I also hope they take Najee Harris, too. I hope they get both of those guys. Alabama is an eight-point favorite, and that could be... Again, right now, because of the COVID thing, we'll see what the point spread drops down to. I think the, the over-under was at 75.5, which is the highest um, ever for a national championship game. I think Alabama's defense, while not to the nearly to the Alabama standards that we've seen in the past, is better than Ohio State's, uh, particularly in the secondary. So if the only slight edge we would give Ohio State is quarterback and yet they're still a very good team that just speaks volumes to the team that alabama has this year and so i like you i i, I, I don't know if i if i give alabama the edge on defense i mean i might give the overall edge on defense i don't know if i give them the edge at all three levels i might give ohio state the edge of defense line but okay. again that's not that's not a huge change like you said i would still i would have I would have more ticks in Alabama's column than I would in States. But I think we can uh, – you said you'll take Alabama to win by six. I, This is the one time I want Alabama to win, um, and so I hope I'm not putting the kiss of death on them and the jinx, the, the stack and jinx. But I think Alabama's going to win by two scores. Um, I, I, it could happen. I wouldn't be stunned. I mean, I wouldn't want to have to try to stop their defense, their offense ever. I mean, that's like I, maybe this is just from the era we grew up watching football. Like when you think of scary stuff in football, and I'm not talking about like really scary stuff, you know, like when someone's down on the field with a serious injury. But like when you're watching your team and it's just like, oh my god, that defense is so good. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're going to do about that. And that's what I think of in terms of like, oh my god, they're so scary on defense. Like typically. I usually, I mean, even though there's offenses that are hard to defend and incredibly good, I don't normally think of them in terms of being scary. I, Alabama's offense is scary and how yeah. good they are. Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, but I think I think Alabama's going to win this one. Um, I hope they win this one, and uh, we'll see where it goes. And especially if the, if this COVID outbreak at Ohio State continues to get worse, and we find out, you know, certain players won't be able to play like a Justin Fields or like a Trey Sermon, someone 
uh, to that effect, then it's it's going to significantly it's going to favor Alabama significantly more. I mean, that's there's no there's no other way to 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 say it. Alabama is going to dominate even more than what they possibly already could with the two teams evenly matched up. But we both have Alabama winning the national championship. Any other thoughts on the national championship game? One other thing, and I used to, this was how I used to think about stuff like this. Most importantly, do you remember when uh, Oklahoma and Florida played? I think it was 2008, that season. Uh, I don't remember if Tebow, or no, that, that was year, that I Chris think Bradford won the Heisman Trophy. Was that Chris and, Leak, you know, though? Say that again? Was that Chris Leak? Did he play in that game? No, this this was two years after they Florida won the title with Chris Leak, so it was it was all Tim Tebow. Okay, yep. And uh, Sam Bradford won the Heisman. Oklahoma set all these offensive records, and Florida also had a great offense. Oklahoma had a mediocre defense, and Florida also had a great defense. But someone from Oklahoma, some defensive back, said something about how, like, oh, Tim Tebow, you know, would be the third best quarterback in the Big Twelve, which which might have been right because you know they had Sam Bradford and Colt McCoy also. But they talked about how, like, oh my God, Florida players were like. That's just going to motivate Tim Tebow so much. He's going to play even better and harder now. They'll never be able to stop him. And at the time, I thought, like, that's stupid. There's no way you're going to be more motivated to play in a national title game. That's dumb. I don't buy that. I'm not so sure I don't think that way anymore. The way we saw Alabama after not playing in, they're not even making the playoffs last year. Yep. And just murdering teams this year. Yeah, I mean, the Florida game was close, I know, in the SEC title game, but and so efficient. And then about, you know, Ohio State, who lost to Clemson last year in that great semifinal game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they talked about, oh, like, oh, my God, we've had this circled all year long and all that stuff. And just, you know, ran their doors off. And now, at the same time, it could be that Ohio State's, like, finished, and they're just like, actually, we used up all our mojo and now we don't have any, we don't have as much left for the national title game, I don't know. But like you look at like a long off season, you like I, I don't know, in high school if, if anyone if you guys ever had something like this, I'm sure in your sports life you've seen favorite teams of yours have something like this, but you know, the you know, we lost by five points in a conference title game and like we put the score up at the locker room and looked at it all off season and mm-hmm. Like, there's so often that people say that it doesn't really matter because teams aren't talented enough to win. But, like, these two teams were, and I think it's an example of that, where it's just like, oh, like, when you get really, really talented guys that are motivated, give them extra motivation. Like, sometimes scary stuff happens. And in this case, the scary stuff was uh, Alabama and Ohio State, like, just beating the snot out of the teams they played in the semifinals, who I think were probably the third and fourth best teams in the country this year, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. And I think they would have done that against Cincinnati or Georgia or Coastal Carolina or Oklahoma or Iowa State or Texas A&M or anyone else you would have put in front of them. I don't think it would have mattered. Nope. I, I don't. I, I agree. I don't think it would have either, but we are going to see motivation against motivation. Alabama's motivated. Ohio State's motivated. It should be a great game. 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Time on ESPN from Miami, the national championship game. Uh, Charlie, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, Looking forward to having you on next week to break down the national championship winner, the national championship game. 
We'll see who it is. We both picked Alabama. We'll see if we're right. I'm looking forward to it, and then I'm sad that it'll be the last college football game for a long time, man. But then we can look forward to hopefully a full regular season in the fall. That's also true. It seems like it's been so long since we've had one of those. I don't even remember what that looks like anymore. Because that means... I feel like the old lady in the Titanic saying it's been 84 years <laughs> since we've had a full college football season. Because then we'll have a full bowl season. We'll have bowl bound or not coming back next year. I mean, it. we just have to look forward to that full season. Stacking, you've, you've reignited my faith in college football. Not that it was gone. But now I'm even more so looking forward to next year, even though this one's not the end of the game. Very good. I'm glad I could do anything, any little thing I can do uh, to help rekindle or reignite that energy and uh, faith in a full season next year for you. I'm happy to do so. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you next week. Yep. Have a good one. Charlie Hildebrand from the Northwest Iowa Review, kind enough to join uh, here. So thank him for his time. Uh, we break it down. We both like Alabama in the national championship game. Should be a great game. Points plenty. But how do you stop Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith in Alabama? I just I don't see it happening. So taking Alabama to win. We have more coming up here on the Sports Block Podcast. So we'll, we'll, we'll recap the national championship game next week with Charlie. Um, but we have more to talk about here. We have college basketball. The Jackrabbits are beginning Summit League Conference play this weekend. And we'll discuss that with Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader. That's coming up here next on the Sports Block Podcast, now available on podcast.com. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast and Summit League uh, Conference play has begun. The Jackrabbits have not, but who better to discuss it, and we, we bring in Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader. Matt, how have you been? Good, Nate. How about you? Good, good. Thank you very much. Uh, last time we talked, I believe it was before the Summit League Tournament. A lot has happened since then. Obviously, <laughs> uh, SDSU lost both on the men and the women's side. The men lost in the first round, women in the championship game. North Dakota State won on the men's side. The USD women won on the, the, USD won on the women's side. But neither got to play uh, because of COVID and you know the coronavirus canceling the NCAA tournament. Uh, it doesn't. It, it looks like you know the NCAA is trying to get this tournament played this year. Men will be in Indianapolis. Women will be in San Antonio. So uh, yeah, a lot has happened here in uh, in the course of nine months. But that was a. I got to admit, it was it was difficult not seeing the NCAA tournament played last March. Yeah, I mean, that's always one of the fun, especially the fact that it got canceled, like, right as it was about to start. You mm-hmm. know, it would have been one thing if they had told us in January that, hey, we're not going to be able to do this. But, you know, we get to watch a couple of the conference tournaments, and everyone, you know, survives the long, cold winter. And, you know, March Madness, especially that first first couple days of the tournament, you know, the first round, is just so much fun. I mean, it's one of the best days of the sports calendar yep. uh, where the whole world is watching and it kind of feels like the start of spring and everything's, you know, it, it's just such an exciting time and to not be able to experience any of that, you know, whether you have a, a, a team, you know, your team, a dog in the fight, whatever, whether you do or not, it's just such a, a great event and, and that definitely sucked. And, you know, obviously it was just sort of a, a precursor of, 
what our entire spring and summer ended up being yeah. like. Uh, I guess the one silver lining for Jackrabbit fans, if they're being vindictive, is that they didn't have to see USD right. women possibly make it to the Sweet 16. They didn't have to see the NDSU men in the NCAA tournament. So a good year for SDSU to not win the tournament. Uh-huh. Uh, and SDSU's men's and women's basketball teams both look to be very, very good this year. Uh, before we get too much into that, Noah Friedel, uh, th- seems to be some issues going on. What's the latest? What have you heard regarding him on the men's side? Well, they, uh, you know, he, he uh, got ejected in the last, what was supposed to be their last non-conference game. And we asked Eric Henderson after that game, you know, what are you going to do? Is there going to be some sort of... Uh, discipline. We assumed there would be something. He didn't give us any specifics that night, but you kind of wondered, okay, he's one of their best players, and their next game is a conference game. Would they just go ahead and suspend him for a conference game? And and I think the answer is yes, they would have, and, and they still might, as it turns out. Uh, but in the meantime, they were supposed to have this month break. Mm-hmm. They were able to add a non-conference game, which turned out to be Mount Marty and was just played last night. And, you know, that to be cynical, that kind of gave him a convenient way to, you know, get it to discipline Noah yeah. Friedel. He was suspended last night. He did not play. I kind of assumed that that would be that. One game suspension, you know, you're kind of on, told to be on your best behavior, but, you know, you get the one game suspension and you get another chance. Um, I was a little bit surprised when we asked Hendo about it last night after the game. Uh, he, I said, you know, what's Noah Friedel's status? Are you going to have him this weekend? And he just said, maybe. Uh, he said, you made it very clear that he is still being disciplined, essentially, that they talk about it every day, and he feels like Noah has done what he wants him to do as far as, you know, taking ownership of his mistake and being a model player and teammate going forward. But he hasn't given any indication that, okay, he's this one-game suspension in what was obviously a meaningless game. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, now you've served your time. We're ready to welcome you back. I still think he's probably going to be welcomed back on Friday, and I'm sure that will lead to various opinions on whether or not Hendo handled it appropriately. You know, some people will say cynically, oh, they just scheduled that game so they could suspend Noah Friedel and not have to have him miss any conference games. I don't think that's what it was about. Um, and And I don't think they necessarily, you know, people who would make that argument, I think, are also just, they don't want him to play because he makes the Jacks better. You know, I think people who have that opinion are largely going to be, you know, USD and NDSU fans. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I kind of think he's going to play, if not Friday, certainly on Saturday. Uh, If Hendo does suspend him for Friday's game, then I think you have to give him an awful lot of credit Mm -hmm. uh, for going above and beyond and taking this seriously. Uh, Because it was kind of funny, the night that that it happened in this USD game where he punches Stanley Amude and gets ejected, um, you know, that... Stuff like that doesn't happen very often. So when it does, it's always a big deal, and that's what everyone's talking about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I tweeted at, at that night during the game that, hey, you know, this is not the first time Noah Friedel has had an issue. Mm-hmm. It, you know, Eric Henderson's got to get this under control. You know, not at all suggesting that, that Noah should be kicked off the team or that he's some sort of total head case or anything. But just like I said, it wasn't the first time. And when you have a, a multiple offender who's only a sophomore, you know, that makes it pretty obvious that, hey, something needs to be done here. And I got a lot of pushback uh, from Jacks fans, largely, saying, you know, like, oh, you know, whatever, you know, stay in your lane, this isn't that big of a deal. Uh, but I think Eric Henderson has made pretty clear in how he's, you know, how he addressed it that night and how he addressed it last night uh, that he is taking this seriously. And, I, you know, I don't think Eric Henderson thinks that 
Noah is a head case or a guy that he's suddenly, you know, considering whether he wants him to be a part of the program. I don't, I don't think it's anywhere near, you know, that level. But he's, I think the coach deserves a lot of credit for meeting it head on and saying, you know, we, we got to stop this kind of behavior, you know, especially because I think so far it hasn't gotten to a, a place where he's out of control. What he did in the USD game is unacceptable. And I think most Jacks fans understand that it's unacceptable. But if that's the last in- incident that he has, then I think everything's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's only a sophomore. There's plenty of room for growth here. And I just think you have to give Hendo credit for not sweeping this under the rug, for not saying, oh, it's no big deal, it's an isolated incident, mm-hmm. for recognizing that this is something that they have to address, getting Noah to take it seriously. And that's something certainly that will be a storyline the rest of the year is, you know, <clears throat> obviously not just whether Noah Friedel punches somebody in the nuts again, but, you know, <laughs> is he going to, you know, be a good teammate? Is he going to, you know, again, all the, the, the previous offenses that he's been guilty of have been very minor you know mm-hmm. some people don't like that he barks at the refs during games or that he draws with the fans or opposing teams or opposing coaches and uh i i know he's been suspended for the first half of games in the past i'm assuming that was related to something you know like skipping class or being late for practice something like that those things are minor but you know they do add up mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to see going forward how long of a leash eric henderson gives him and and if noah is able to you know move forward and, and not make those little mistakes anymore, let well, alone the big ones. Yeah, well, that leads me to another question then, is how big of a concern is this going forward, at, not only you know for this season, but also for Noah's uh, continued tenure at SDSU? Like how... You, you just mentioned the leash that he has. I mean, how, how long is this? Could he maybe just walk away? I mean, remember, he did transfer from Wright State back to <clears throat> SDSU. Uh, you know, closer, obviously, he, he went to... Um, he played high school basketball at T. So SDSU's home for him, essentially. How how much of a concern is this that maybe Noah's not going to be a jackrabbit for the rest of his collegiate career? I think that's a worst-case, very unlikely scenario. I mean, you never know. Uh, I said, you know, he's a hometown kid. You know, I think... Uh, why he didn't end up at USD. There are you know, various theories out there on that because his family is mostly a, a coyote family. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up at SDSU, like you mentioned, after the right state thing. And it was, you know, Caleb Grill decommitting to SDSU, open up the scholarship, whatever. Um, I don't think Noah ever really wanted to go to right state. So I certainly don't think, you know, if Hendo suspends him for too long, he's going to get pissed off and say, screw this, I'm leaving. I don't see something like that happening. Uh, because I do think Noah probably understands, I don't know the kid, um, but that, you know, what he did the other night was not cool. Like, he, he can be pissed off about the reaction. He can be pissed off about USD fans coming after him, about the media taking shots at him, whatever, all that stuff. None of that changes the fact he did something you can't do on the court, and mm-hmm. he understands he needs to be held accountable for that, and Hendo did hold him accountable for that. The silver lining here is that, you know, I mentioned before, He's had all these minor incidents before, you know, these little things, like I said, whether it was, you know, arguing with coaches or referees or being late for class or whatever these other little things are that led to him being suspended a couple times before or disciplined yep. or whatever. Those were all minor things. But if he didn't do the big things, punching the mood, maybe those little things would have continued. Mm-hmm. And maybe and maybe Eric Henderson would have been in this weird position where he's like, you know, none of this stuff is really that bad. So I don't think it's necessary to you know, really bring the hammer down on him. 
but it could have just continued. Maybe now the fact that he really crossed the line, did something really bad, kind of gives everyone, Noah himself included, mm-hmm. an opportunity to kind of go, all right, you know, maybe this is something that we need to address. Maybe I need to change my ways a little bit. Maybe if you're Eric Henderson, I need to, you know, crack the whip a little bit, which he's obviously doing. Yep. So in some ways, maybe this will end up being a good thing in that it's the thing that, you know, maybe two years from now we'll look back and go, that was the turning point for him yep. when he did that. You know, it was ugly and it embarrassed the program and he had to be suspended, but he cleaned up his act after that and had a great career at South Coast State. Yeah, yep, this could be the the, the maturity moment, the maturation process for him in turning that uh, career around, uh, his career around as a Jackrabbit. Because he's very good. He's, very, he's a great uh, part of what seems to be a very good team. Uh, obviously, we've seen uh, Mike Dom and Nate Walters over the year. Like those, those were the two greatest players arguably ever to put on a Jackrabbit uniform. But this team just seems like they can do a lot uh, between uh, Matt Detlinger and uh, Baylor Shireman. Th- these guys are doing incredible stuff right now, and you saw it like early on in that crossover classic, playing the teams like West Virginia close, uh, beating Utah State. St. Mary's game, a little bit of a blowout, but... You beat Iowa State and Bradley. This is a very good men's team that South Dakota State has. Yep, and the interesting thing about that is, you know, if Mike Dom had been a problem child, and obviously he was anything but, you know, mm-hmm. he was probably not only the greatest player in SDSU history, but one of the greatest people and teammates and, mm-hmm. you know, celebrities that they ever had in that program. But if he had been a guy who was getting in trouble now and then, it would have been a lot tougher for the Jacks to... to you know, try to keep him in line because they needed him. I mean, mm-hmm. he was their whole team revolved around him. Uh, the nice thing about having this incident, I guess, for lack of a better word, with Friedel is as great as he is, they're not like destitute without it. Mm-hmm. They are in a position where they can say, "Dude, if you're not going to behave, we'll move on without you." Um, you know, they played well in that uh, Dakota Showcase, other than the USD game, mm-hmm. without Doug, Doug Wilson, the reigning Summit League Player of the Year. And, uh, you know, if they don't have Doug Wilson and Noah Friedel, then that's taken away a little bit of the firepower. But the difference, as you alluded to, between this Jackrabbit team and some of the previous NCAA tournament Jackrabbit teams is just how balanced they are and how deep they are. Mm-hmm. You know, Nate Walters, Mike Dom, I'm not suggesting that they were a one-man team. They were not. Nope. You know, Mike Dom had Reed Tellinghusen and Tevin King and Skylar Flatten and, you know, a bunch of great players around him. Nate Walters did too. Uh, but it was obvious that those were the guys that as they went, the team went. Uh, there is not one guy on SEC's roster right now that you could say that about. Not yep. even Doug Wilson, the conference player of the year. Not even Noah Friedel, who early on this season looked like he was going to potentially take over as maybe the best guard in this conference. Mm-hmm. Baylor Shireman has been unbelievable through the first nine games of the season. Uh, Alex Arians continues to be probably the most underrated player in the Summit League. You never notice him at the end of every game, 12.7 rebounds, 4 assists. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's just totally consistent game in, game out. Uh, and, you know, then seeing what David Winget brings and now Luke Apple or Appel, I'm not sure, um, how he's settled in and, and continues to expand his role off the bench. Charlie Easley, the transfer from Nebraska. I mean, this team has got a lot of dudes that can contribute. Um, so that gives them the luxury of being able to tell, you know, Doug Wilson, take your time coming back from this ankle or foot. You know, we don't want you to rush it. Being able to tell Noah Friedel, dude, um, if you're not committed to being a good teammate here, we'll put in someone else who is, and they're not going to be in danger. Obviously, they're a better team with those guys, but there's no one that they, they can't live without, essentially. And you look at the Summit League, 
in general. And, and again, SDSU looks poised to probably be the dominant team in this league, especially given their non-conference schedule and the level of competition they played. They haven't played yet last weekend, first weekend, uh, North Dakota State uh, beats Western Illinois, I believe, in both games. Uh, USD has lost a lot of talent, but they have a Moody, so that's uh, that's significant. Oral Roberts, we'll see what they can do. They're in Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology, for whatever that's worth, but that's only because SDSU hasn't played a game. But this seems like it's SDSU's uh, league, Summit League, to lose this year. Is that, A, a fair assessment, and B, who, if anyone, is going to be their serious competition? I would guess North Dakota State. Is there anyone else that you see? Mm, I think it's a fair assessment. I mean, like you said, they're just they're just that much deeper and more talented uh, and experienced, certainly, uh, than the other teams in the league. But, uh, you know, USD has impressed me so far. I mean, obviously, Stanley Amude is a great player. Uh, but A.J. Plitzewhite, I think, is better than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people kind of like to thumb their nose at a guy who comes up from Division Two. But, you know, he was the freshman of the year for an Augustana team that's really good. Um, and you saw this weekend, he had 50 points in his first Summit League weekend. I mean, that's that's a big damn deal to it come is. in and make that kind of debut. Mm-hmm. He changes that team. And I thought they were a pretty decent team to begin with. I was kind of surprised at how down a lot of people, including Coyote fans, uh, seem to be on USD this year. I think they're pretty good. And uh, I know Denver isn't good, uh, but still, for the Yotes to just blow them away the way they did in both of those first two games, I think is impressive. Uh, NDSU, you know, obviously losing Vinny Shahid and Tyson Ward, I mean, two of their, but they're, they're two best players. That obviously changes them. Uh, but Dave Richmond's a really good coach. He's yes. taken that team to the tournament several times. Mm-hmm. And he's the kind of coach who is able to say, all right, well, what do I have to work with this year, and how can I make it work? And we're seeing it already. They're not the same team they were last year. They're going to try to ugly it up a little bit, slow it down, win with defense, and you know they've got some physical dudes. And the Sam Griesel's a really good player. Um, they started two and all. They look good too. Um, and then the the sleeper, I guess, is Oral Roberts. You mentioned you know the, them being picked nationally by a couple people, and they were the number two pick in the preseason poll. Uh, I get it. You know, with uh, Kevin Obanor and Max Obmas, they've got a couple really, really good players. And Obanor was amazing in the first weekend of the season. Um, but as you know, Nate, I mean, Oral Roberts is one of those teams that whenever you put any sort of expectations on them, that's when they always stink it up. Yep. You know, they yep. just have not ever been able to rise to the occasion. Whenever someone says, hey, we think you guys are going to be good, it's like they just kind of, you know, wilt under the pressure of that or whatever. Yep. Now, this is a different team. Uh, it's a different coach. Uh, you know, and, and this is a weird year, you know, obviously not just the COVID stuff with meaning, you know, SDSU is not going to have that home court advantage that they always do. Neither is North Dakota state. Um, we've already seen in just one weekend with the summit league and the Northern sun conference, both playing these Friday, Saturday, back to backs against the same team, Mm -hmm. that this is going to be wild because you've seen where maybe if you play the same team, you know, on two weeks apart, or even, you know, with two days in between, that's one thing. When you play the same team back-to-back nights, anything can happen that second night. Mm-hmm. There have been a ton of games we've seen already. Uh, like I mentioned, it happened in the Northern Sun a couple times, but it happened in the Summit League, too. Uh, Hendo mentioned in his press conference last night that it happened to Scott Nagy's team in Wright State, where, like, on the, the first game, the Friday night, one team wins by 40, and then the very next night, the other team wins. Yes. Like you normally would not see something like that. That just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But it's clear that having this revamped COVID schedule is going to lead to some weird stuff happening. 
And so that being the case, I think it works against SDSU a little bit yep. in that in a normal season where you had, you know, no no restrictions on, on attendance, fans, and a normal schedule, SDSU is just that much deeper and better and more experienced, and they have the best home court advantage in the league. I would pick them to win this conference in the regular season by three games. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, with everything being as weird as it is, I, I, you know, they're still the favorite. They deserve to be the favorite, but you never know. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they drop one or two games in the regular season that you just would not ever expect them to drop. And then once you get into a conference tournament situation, who knows what you get there? Because again, we don't know right now if there's going to be fans and if there are, what it's going to look like. Yep. Uh, and and also, if you're an SDAC fan and you want something to to make you nervous, they played in two MTEs in the preseason, both at the Sanford Pentagon. And both times, they look great the first night, great the second night, terrible the third night. Yep. Exactly what you don't want in a conference tournament situation. Now, maybe that means they got it out of their system or they'll be better prepared for it or whatever. But obviously, with this season being the way it is, it's just it's just foolish to think that anything is a slam dunk. Exactly. Well, you know, to get to that championship game, first they need to get past the first round, which is something they haven't done right. either right. the last two years. And a great point made on the schedule because they don't get North Dakota State at home. They have to go to Fargo to play two games against the Bison. It works in their favor that they get USD at home for two games. And especially it works in advantage on the women's side because SDSU and USD, it, they're the cream of the crop once again in the in the Summit League with North Dakota State closing the gap. North Dakota State has yep. looked awfully impressive this year, but I mean, this Although SDSU... Although they did lose to Western Illinois the other night, that, you that, know, in one of those, same thing we just talked about, one yeah. night, complete different result than the next night. Yep, that that's true. I will trust J.D. Gravine a little bit, but yeah, this seems to be a bit of a rebuilding year for Western Illinois, but I, I gotta tell you, like just the way, yes, SDSU women's had a little bit of a slip-up uh, with a couple of lost games to Kansas State and Northern Iowa immediately after they got ranked. Uh, I mean, AJ had a very fair uh, and pointed criticism of his team after that loss to Northern Iowa. And since then, they have turned, it seems like they've turned things around or turned things back to how they were playing before when they were beating the ranked teams, you know, the the Gonzagas and Iowa States. So I, I think that SDSU is every bit as good this year as we've seen in recent years. Uh, and they're probably the team to beat, of course, USD with a close second, but I think SDSU is the favorite in the Summit League on the women's side. Is that uh, fair to say? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, USD, you know, was amazingly dominant last year, as we all know, and mm-hmm. it would have been fun to see how far they could go, uh, but they lost some players from last year's team. And then, going into this year, Monica Ahrens was supposed to be one of their best players, and she's out for the year with a knee injury, so that further depletes them. Uh, SCSU, I think, is a little bit better this year than maybe we thought they were going to be at the start. Uh, I think we all knew that based on USD losing some people, uh, SDSU would have a chance to close the gap a little bit, uh, but for them to come out and you know be knocking off top-ranked teams left and right, uh, you know that kind of shows you that, okay, they're, they're not messing around. They're maybe even even better than we thought. The USD still has Hannah Shervin, who uh, you know might be the most dominant player we've seen in the Summit League. I'm not saying best necessarily all, mm-hmm. all around, but the way she's able to dominate inside, she's she's awful tough. And uh, obviously, you know, Don Flitzewhite's a really good coach. She's found a way to do things over there. 
I, I guess I would have said before the season, I gave a slight edge to USD. And I would say that based on what happened in the non-conference with SDSU being able to beat some of those ranked teams and USD not quite being able to beat some of those teams, now I think I, I look at it as a toss-up. We'll see what happens here in Summit League play. The Yotes had no trouble with Denver, but that, you know, at home doesn't say a whole lot. Mm-hmm. We'll see how the Jacks handle Western Illinois. Um, but, I mean, it's obviously between the two of them. And that's been a really fun matchup to watch ever since USD won Division One because they've been the two best teams in the women's uh, division by far. But I think this year might have the chance to be the most evenly matched the two of them have ever been. And hopefully both of them can have uh, a good enough regular season, and I see no reason that they won't, um, that we'll see them both in the tournament again. Yep. And, you know, if no for no other reason, you know, for SDSU's success, it really helps that Maya Selland is healthy. Like, that that's a true difference maker for them. I think that's maybe the reason I wasn't as high on them as I should have been, in just that last year was such a tough year for her. You know, when she first got hurt, it wasn't like this, oh, she's out for the year kind of thing. It was this day-to-day, like, when's she coming back, when's she coming back, and as the frustration mounted with her inability to get healthy enough to come back, you know, I really started to get the sense that, like, hey, geez, this is really tough for her, it might be something she's going to be dealing with forever, there were even some rumors that, you know, maybe she was just going to be done with it, or, you know, she ended up getting that extra year back, so she's still only a junior this year, I had heard some people say that maybe she was just going to come back and play this year and be done, Um, but she, however she did it, uh, she managed to get back to 100% health, and she's kind of reminding us all how good she was supposed to be. You know, remember when she first joined the program, they had Macy Miller and Madison Giebert, so it was like mm-hmm. she was so, almost just sort of this, hey, this is a really nice third wheel that's probably going to be the best player on the team after these other two graduate. Well, those two graduate, and she's hurt, and it's almost like you kind of forgot how good she can be. Yep. And now she's reminding us, and uh, like I said, I think Hannah Shervin's the most dominant player in the Summit League. But the way Maya's played so far, I think she's the best all-around player in the conference. Now, the women uh, did have, on the women's side, they did have a couple of games postponed last week. Oral Roberts and Omaha didn't play at all. UMKC and North Dakota were canceled. Any indication from the Summit League how they're going to handle these postponements and cancellations? Is it just going to be, hey, it's just Friday, Saturday. If you can play them, you play them. Uh, or are they going to try and make some of these up? It, it's a little weird to, to me that I guess you're going to postpone Oral Roberts and Omaha both games, but cancel the one UMKC UND game. Yeah, what? I, I don't know what the deal is there if they feel because they canceled it early enough, and because those teams have a buy, you know, can they do something with the buy somehow? I, I don't know. Uh, I know in the Northern Sun, what they're doing is just hey, if a game gets canceled, it's canceled. You know, and mm-hmm. then we'll just have to factor that into the standings. If that be, just kind of like college football did this year, you know, yep. one team's eight and one, another team's four and one, you know, and then you just deal with that however you can. I'm assuming that's going to ha- how it's going to end up having to go. Um, but you know, everything is fluid, and I mean that literally, like everything in the world, like not mm-hmm. just summer league basketball. Right. I mean, yep. from major league baseball to you and I's jobs to school to everything, we just don't know. Yep, and uh, you know. This first weekend, frankly, hasn't been very encouraging. You know, um, it's it's interesting to me that there have been far more cancellations on the women's side in both the NSIC and the Summit League. I don't know if that's just a coincidence or whatever, but um, the NSIC has had a, a several cancellations already, and their season just started. And they didn't even play a, a non-conference season like the Summit League and, and Division One did. Mm-hmm. You know, they've just been sitting around doing nothing. So you think they have plenty? You think they'd have plenty of time to get their ducks in a row and be ready to go? 
and their season starts and they're banging games left and right. And, you know, now these Summit League teams, they've been doing it for a while, so maybe that puts them in a better position uh, to handle any COVID cases that come up. But you just mentioned, you know, a couple teams didn't get in either of their games the first weekend, a couple other cancellations. I mean, maybe, you know, <laughs> at least in South Dakota, it, it feels like everyone has already had COVID at some point. We've got to be getting close to being done with it already. Nice. But, but who knows? Maybe not. Maybe it's going to continue to to surge and if that's the case there's probably going to be more cancellations and that's going to make for a, a weird and unwieldy season and i don't envy tom duple or whoever is in charge of figuring that out yeah between that and then trying to figure out how the summit league tournament's going to happen I, i'm sure they're going through every uh you know plan that they can right now but stuff's going to change between the beginning of january to the, the beginning of march it's it's a long two months ahead so we'll see what happens but at least summit league basketball is back and hopefully the jackrabbits uh have a promising season but uh matt i always appreciate the time and uh, hopefully we'll we'll catch up again as the summit league tournament approaches but always appreciate it uh stay well and uh we'll, we'll talk to you later yep have a happy new year nate thank you same to you matt zimmer from the argus leader kind enough to join us and always appreciate his time great insight as always, uh, from one of the best in the biz. So uh, follow him on Twitter, at ArgusMattZ. Um, so you heard it. He thinks it's a, a bit of a closer match. Uh, I mean, that It's not such a wide gap between SDSU and USD, more of a toss-up. I think I, I'll still favor SDSU just based on what I've seen so far. But, I mean, USD almost beat South Carolina. They should have beat Gonzaga. Uh, they've played really good competition, so we'll see there. NDSU is a team to certainly watch out for on the women's side. And then on the men's side, uh, I mean, you heard all, all that stuff about Noah Friedel. Hopefully, he has turned the corner in this maturation process, and this will be the, the, the turning point in his career for a Jackrabbit, and hopefully he has a, a successful last uh, two and a half years. I mean, he's only a sophomore. Junior and senior year, can you imagine how good he'll be? great so hopefully he stays there so that was great to hear from matt so appreciate that uh, we'll wrap up this week's edition of the sports block podcast with a look back at week 17 and we'll make some picks for super wild card weekend that's what they're calling it because we get three games on saturday three games on sunday we'll make those picks next and wrap up this week's edition of the sports block podcast stay tuned come back here now Come back now, y'all. Here? That does. That's not how you say it. Come back now, y'all. What? Come back, y'all. Here? Whatever. What a terrible last 15 seconds of this podcast. We'll come back. We'll make some picks. I'll figure stuff out. My tongue, my brain, everything will work out in sync. Coming up next here as we wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. The first Sports Block Podcast of 2021. We're approaching three hours of this podcast here this week. So thank you for uh, sticking with us here. A lot that we've covered and discussed, and we will wrap it up as we always do with a look back at the previous week in the NFL and make some picks for the following week, the last week of the regular season here in the NFL, week 17. Uh, And 
So we'll begin right there. Lions, uh, the Vikings beat the Lions 37-35. Kirk Cousins throws for over 400 yards. Three touchdowns. Justin Jefferson sets a, a rookie receiving record with 1,400 receiving yards in a single season, most in the Super Bowl era. Uh, they were the beneficiaries of a terrible roughing the passer penalty called against Kirk Cousins on fourth and goal from the one. He got sacked at the 14. The Lions were cited for roughing the passer Vikings would score. I think Kirk Cousins actually sneaked it in soon after that terrible call. Uh, but the Vikings get the win. They finish the season seven and nine. The Lions finish the season five and eleven. Wild game in the Meadowlands at MetLife Stadium, where the Giants hold on to beat Dallas twenty-three to nineteen. They were very solid. The Giants solid in the first half, up twenty to six at one point. Dallas kept fighting back, had a chance to win there at the end. Andy Dalton throws an interception. You met. Uh, Travis mentioned earlier about uh, the the fumble that looked like Dallas recovered, and then the the officials looked and said they didn't. I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, either way, the Giants win 20, won 23-19 had a shot to win the NFC East, which we'll get to momentarily. Patriots end the season with a the win. They beat the Jets, snapping the Jets' two-game win streak. Beat them 28-14. Cam Newton, three passing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown. So he's going to head into free agency uh, with a little bit of momentum here. But the Patriots uh, don't win. They don't even get to 500. Rough year for the Patriots. And Adam Gase was fired from the Jets. So there's that. Uh, the Ravens throttled the Brown- the Bengals, excuse me, 38-3. Rushed for over 400 yards. 404 rushing yards to be exact. Lamar Jackson uh, comes the first quarterback ever in NFL history with two 1,000 rushing yard seasons. He got over that eclipse. Uh, J.K. Dobbins over 100, I believe 130, 150, 160 yards, something like that, and a couple of scores. The Ravens' offense is rolling right now, headed into the playoffs. The Browns, they're back in the playoffs for the first time since 2002, beating Pittsburgh 24-22. Probably should have beat them by more, considering they were facing Mason Rudolph and uh Joshua Dobbs, uh, no Big Ben in this one. A couple other Steelers starters rested. But uh, the Browns do get the win and are back in the playoffs for the first time since 2002. The Dolphins, all they had to do was win, and they would be in. The Bills, who knew if they were going to play their starters or not? Well, Josh Allen played. He threw three first-half touchdowns. Uh, the Bills got a punt return for a touchdown and a pick six, and they throttle Miami 56-26. to uh, to clinch the number two seed, what an ass whooping by the Bills over the Dolphins. Sorry, Charlie. Tampa Bay, they uh, secure the fifth seed in the NFC playoffs. They beat Atlanta forty-four to twenty-seven. They got out to a early a big start in this one. Atlanta came back, was only trailing twenty-three twenty, but Tampa Bay started to pull away. And Tom Brady throws for almost 400 yards and four TDs in this one. A big win for the Bucks there. 11-5. First time they've had 11 wins in a season since 2005. Raiders beat the Broncos in an entertaining game in Denver, 32-31. It looked like the Broncos were going to have this win after Jerry Judy caught a 92-yard touchdown pass from Drew Locke. Catch and run, I should say. It wasn't 92 yards in the air. That would be insane. Looked like the Broncos were going to win, but the Raiders came back, rallied late, uh, scored a touchdown, went for two, and got it. Denver had a chance to win the game, about a 65-yard field goal, but Brandon McManus's field goal was blocked, and the Raiders finished the season at 500 and beat the Broncos 32-31. 
Rookie running back Jonathan Taylor for Indianapolis. Big day, 253 yards rushing, two scores as the Colts beat the Jaguars 28-14. Jaguars finished the season with 15 straight losses. The Colts had a chance to win the AFC South. They just they secured a playoff berth with the win, but they needed to win and have the Titans lose. Would they? We'll find out in a second here. New Orleans Saints beat the Carolina Panthers 33-7. No running backs because of uh, COVID exposure. No problem, though. Ty Montgomery had a big day. Taysom Hill made some catch uh, plays. Emmanuel Sanders had some catches, including getting a uh, uh, reception bonus for his contract. Uh, so that was big. But the Saints roll Carolina 33-7. to Aaron Rodgers, once again, sensational as the Packers beat the Chicago Bears 35-16. What do you have? Four touchdowns in this one. He is the likely MVP, even though I would maybe give it to Derrick Henry or Josh Allen over Aaron Rodgers, just because of what each of those guys did. Not taking away from Rodgers. Rodgers is great, but I maybe lean towards one of those guys. Uh, the Bears, though, uh, tried to get in the playoffs. Would they? Well, yeah, we'll find out that out in a second here. Bit of a tease. The Packers win man, and the Saints win meant that the Seattle Seahawks wouldn't get the number one overall seed. They do beat San Francisco 26-23, but it was a struggle for much of the game. They only had six points headed into the fourth quarter before finally Russell Wilson and company got the offense in gear. Uh, a couple of nice touchdown passes to Tyler Lockett, and the Seahawks win 26-23. The Titans and the Texans in the wildest game of the day. Titans needed to win. With the Colts winning, Titans needed to win to win the AFC South. They would do so thanks to a hail, pretty much a hail mary from Ryan Tanhill to AJ Brown uh, that set up Sam Sloman, rookie kicker, who doinked in the field goal off the right upright and threw. Titans win forty-one to thirty-eight. Derrick Henry over two hundred yards rushing this one, a couple of scores. He had over has over 2,000 yards rushing on the season, led the league in carries, rushing yards, and rushing touchdowns. It, just sensational. He is King Henry. The win for the Titans wins them the AFC South. The Colts are the wild card. The Arizona Cardinals uh, and the Los Angeles Rams, it was a win-and-you're-in sort of game. And for the Cardinals, Kyler Murray lit, you know, gets injured after the first drive of the game. Doesn't look good. They do get up 7-0, but that would be the only points they would score. John Wolford, who? That's exactly right. The Rams quarterback helps lead the Rams to an 18-7 victory. Chris Strebler came into the game for the Cardinals through a bad interception that was returned for a touchdown, and that pretty much sealed the Cardinals' fate in this one. The Rams clinched a playoff berth with the win. Disappointing end to the season, certainly, for the Cardinals. Chargers starters beat the Chiefs backups 38-21. Justin Herbert, three more passing touchdowns. Uh, NFL rookie record. He's probably going to win rookie of the year. Hopefully Justin Jefferson, wide receiver for the Vikings, wins. But we'll we'll see on, on that. And then uh, the wash. So the, the Cardinals lost. Just to back up, the Cardinals loss meant the Bears, despite their loss to the Packers, uh, clinched a playoff spot for the Bears. And then Sunday night, we've talked a lot about it. I despise Doug Peterson for what he did. Washington beats Philadelphia 20-14. Jalen Hurts was pulled after the third quarter, essentially. Um, 
So Nate Sudfeld could get some reps. It's terrible. It's it's tanking at its finest, and I hope the NFL does something about it. Not trying to take anything away from Washington and what Alex Smith did. He's the comeback player of the year. He is. He absolutely should be. But uh, the, the Eagles just the the tanking. Oh my gosh! It, I mean, it's just so terrible. It it really is. So that's that does it for the regular season. It's super wild card weekend in the NFL. Three games Saturday, three games on Sunday. We already made our picks, but I'll solidify them here. The uh, first game on Saturday in the AFC, the seven seed Indianapolis Colts against the two seed Buffalo Bills, 1.05 p.m. Eastern, 12.05 p.m. Central Time on CBS. 6,700 fans will be in attendance for this game. They will be going wild. Western New York has been waiting for the Bills to have this since the 90s when Jim Kelly was around. The Colts have a great defense, but the Bills are the most dangerous team in the NFL right now. I've been saying it for the last few weeks. They won't have any problems taking down Indianapolis. I like the Bills in this one. Then on uh, on Saturday at 4.40 p.m. Eastern, 3.40 p.m. Central Time on Fox, the six-seeded L.A. Rams against the three-seed Seattle Seahawks. Remember, there's an extra playoff spot in both the AFC and NFC, seven seeds. So 14 teams make it. Only the one seeds get the bye. Six-seeded Rams against the three-seeded Seattle Seahawks. 4.40 p.m. Eastern, 3.40 p.m. Central Time on Fox. I'm going to take Seattle, but Jamal Adams might not play. That is significant. I don't know if Jared Goff's going to play or not. Uh, if John Wolford plays, I'm definitely taking Seattle. But uh, Seattle hasn't exactly been convincing in their in their win against they weren't convincing in their win against the Rams just a few weeks back the Rams did beat Seattle down in LA earlier in the season I'm going to take Seattle to win the rubber match but I don't say that with a great deal of confidence I think they are overall the better team and then Saturday night the five seed in the NFC Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the four seed Washington football team 8:15 p.m. Eastern 7:15 p.m. Central Time on NBC Chase Young is great. That that Washington defensive front four, specifically, beastly. They are very, very good. But Tom Brady and the Bucks are rolling right now into the playoffs. I don't see it stopping. Mike Evans or no Mike Evans, the Buccaneers win this game. And three more games on Sunday. Uh, 1.05 p.m. Eastern, 12.05 p.m. Central Time on ESPN, ABC. Uh, and ABC, I should say. Five-seeded Baltimore Ravens against the four-seed Tennessee Titans. Both teams are 11-5. and five. The Titans are Travis's pick to make it to the AFC, or make it to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. I don't think they're going to get out of the first round here. As great as Derrick Henry is running the football and as great as this Titans offense is, their defense is not nearly as good as they were last year. Probably should be as good, but they aren't. And Lamar Jackson, the Ravens offense right now, is rolling. They remember what the Titans did to them last year. They don't want it to happen again. So give me Baltimore to take down Tennessee in this uh, wildcard matchup. And it's going to be, possessions will be at a premium in this game as both teams will run the ball and stay on the field. Perhaps the most boring game of the weekend, the seven-seed Chicago Bears at the two-seed New Orleans Saints, 4.40 p.m. Eastern, 3.40 p.m. Central Time on CBS. No contest here, I don't think. Uh, Saints roll the Bears. Uh, hopefully Alvin Kamara can be back, but we'll see about that for the Saints. And then Sunday Night Football, 
8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on NBC. The six-seeded Cleveland Browns at the three-seeded Pittsburgh Steelers. And the news is significant. Uh, it broke after we were talking with Travis. But the Browns have COVID uh, outbreak at their facility. Head coach Kevin Stefanski will not coach in this game. Uh, special teams coach uh, Scott Prefer will, former Vikings special teams uh, coach. They won't have one of their wide receivers. They won't have a guard, a Benito. That is significant. Another, another couple of coaches won't play. We'll see where this leads, where this continues. If more players will uh, have a positive test and be forced to uh, not play. The odds, uh, poor Cleveland, just stacked against them. Hopefully they can beat the Steelers who haven't played. They've played one good half of football in the last month. That doesn't exactly bode well. It doesn't breed a lot of confidence in you. But just with everything going on with Cleveland right now, I I hope like hell they win. I will be cheering for them, but I will take Pittsburgh reluctantly to win in this one. And that will do it for your picks for Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. Oh, we covered a lot. A lot. Uh, and COVID outbreaks with Ohio State and the Cleveland Browns. Maybe they partied together. I don't know. Um, but those broke after we talked with Travis. Um, initially, it uh, hopefully everything goes okay for Cleveland. Um, I really want the Browns to win, but we'll see. It should be a fantastic wild card weekend. We've never experienced this. Three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. So enjoy it. Uh, enjoy the uh, the college basketball, the national championship on Monday night. We'll uh, have a podcast after the game, record that, so it'll be a little bit, you know, hopefully middle to the later part of next week. As always, you can get this podcast available on podcast.com. Um, follow me on Twitter, at Andy Stacken, Facebook, Nathan Stacken. Follow Travis on Twitter, at Travis Krins. Charlie Hildebrand on Twitter, at C.E. Hildebrand, and Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader, who was kind enough to join us and talk about the Jackrabbit men and women's basketball team as they open up Summit League play this weekend, uh, kind of look where they're at and what we're kind of predicting here for the season. Um, hopefully they both do well, but with the schedule changes and then playing back-to-back days against the same team, it's going to be different. It's going to be a lot different. So we'll see what happens there. But follow Matt Zimmer on Twitter at ArgusMattZ. Uh, so thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We covered a lot. We'll cover a lot next week. Um, enjoy the football playoffs. Enjoy everything out there. Uh, so for Travis and Charlie and Matt, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you tune in again next week. For another edition, Nathan Stacken saying thank you for listening, mask up, stay safe, and we'll talk to you again next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week, everyone.